Oh, hey, everybody, it's uh, it's time. What's up? I've been direct and vibing and ranting with the uh, incredibly unique one of a kind. You guys know him, SBLJ Alger. <laughs> Alger. I've had I've had a lot of variations on the last name, but that might be a new one. But yeah, how's it going, bro? Alger. I'll take it. I like them all. You know, Alger, Algebra, Algae, Algeria. If I thought hard, I could come up with at least two more. Okay. Go well. I'll let you work on that as we progress in the stream tonight. So, how are you feeling, dude? We actually just connected yesterday. Feel good. Feel very good. I appreciate the uh, help you offered me yesterday, and I'd say that uh, I felt uh, immediate benefit and consternation both. So, I got to warn people if they're going to do this, you got to be ready because what you're doing is inviting somebody into your field to bring your shit up so that you can deal with it. So. <laughs> It's good though. I mean, but if you're not ready to do that, then then maybe you should wait till you're ready. Cause it was like, Oh man, chance is right on it. You know, like this is all stuff that's right here in my face and you were bold enough to, to bring it to me so that I can look at it. And I appreciate it very much, but I know that that's not for everybody. You know how most people are. They're like, what flaws, character defects, problems, procrastination. Hold on. Time out. <laughs> I'm well, going think of it this way, home. man. It's not really character <laughs> defects or flaws. It is just an energy field dynamic that is mental in nature. And when we bring it to consciousness, that is the first step to letting it shift and change. So, no, you know, that's whatever. A good point. That's language from the from the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous program that I picked up from my dad when he was still alive. So that's good to point that out too. That 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 language isn't really as useful as what you just said. <laughs> I For definitely real, don't want really. anyone to feel like they got character defects. Oh, hey, look who it is, my main man. Nice. I love this sunglasses, bro. Hey, homie, don't you know I'm local? <laughs> yeah, well, I expected this guy to be here because he's uh he's the he's the perpetual co-host right right here on this thing. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't do it without him. I mean, what, what would I do without your amazing observations, brother? Good to see you. I, I don't know how any of us ever survived when he wasn't around. There was a time when he was just in my chat and I didn't even really notice that much. And I had no idea the gold mine that was sitting there. Dude, this is, is a great. gold mine. Absolutely. Gold mind. I like that. A gold Gabriel, mind. The gold, the gold mind. It's fitting for a Leo. So, uh, Sean, where should we start today? I know we want to talk about your release therapy. If anybody's not sure what we were just getting on about, I guess I'll say that uh, SB did a sound healing session with me and he booked three sessions. And mm -hmm. if you're like Sean and he donated to me getting the giant super mega fork, which, by the way, was his idea to even make that happen. So, <laughs> so much gratitude for that. It happened so easy that the idea came to me and then... Uh... I'm pretty sure as Jenny B got like, she just went and did some of the, the main footwork that would need to happen. And then all I did was drop it to a few people and we made a little group. And so I think that those were all just signs that that was absolutely supposed to happen for me, having like a light bulb over the head to you having the fork in your possession seemed like the smoothest, easiest arc as far as uh, getting everybody on board. So it just, the universe was just dying to, to get that thing in your hands. I want to see you get the whole set. How many do they make? I want to see like 12 of them or nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already thinking about which one I want next, actually. You got, to, you got to be the guy that's like, lay down, buddy. We're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if anybody out there donated to that thing and is interested in a session, 
you still have the opportunity to get 33% off for it. Like Sean took advantage of and yeah, do it. Sean's doing three sessions, which is a really smart way to go because like you said, you brought up the whole kind of consternation thing, but the next time we come in and face this stuff, you'll be in a whole different place for it. So yeah. And I plan on doing work between, uh, and I already booked the second one. I don't know if you saw it come in, but uh, I, I did that this morning just to make sure that we're not waiting too long. But, um, you know, I'm planning on taking everything that, uh, that you helped me with at the end, you know, chance does this awesome review of what he found. And, um, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that it didn't, uh, it, it rang my bell, but not in a bad way. You know, I don't want people to misunderstand either, you know, but when you're, we become aware of something that you can work on that uh, is going to be a challenge. There's always an opportunity. That was actually one of the mantras you gave me, you know, anything that comes up, that's a challenge to look at it as an opportunity. And, you know, all of us struggle with that. If, you know, if it's a rainy day and you get a flat tire, it's pretty hard to view that as an opportunity. You know, what opportunity is here for me to get muddy and get wet? But you don't know until you change your mindset and approach it that way. And then you have no idea what you might learn from changing a tire in the rain, if you can be open-minded to it. And that's the way I'm approaching this in-between time right now. It's like, all right, Chance gave me some stuff that did catch me. Like, oh boy, yeah, I can see where all those things uh are affecting my, the, the path that I think I'm on. And so if I take them, that's why I wanted the recording. Cause I can go listen to it again and be aware of it in such a way that when I come to the next session, it's like, we've both done whatever needs to be done to move on to the next step, you know, and I'm excited, man. I'm stoked. I'm glad you asked for the recording because I hadn't been doing those. And I realize now because I do it through zoom and Zoom no longer <laughs> they did a really amazing company move where they gave everyone the product for free for every for all time. And then as soon as Cooties was over and everyone was a Zoomer, they were like, Okay, now you have to pay to get more than 45 minutes, period. So I'm now paying them, but I can do the cloud recordings. But I did go check your recording and because you're outside, which is an awesome move, the birds chirping and the dogs um <laughs> yelling at the sky birds. <laughs> Yeah, it just, it just muted my end out. I, I mean, I, to me, the most important thing uh, was that I could catch the verbal input that you gave me. I mean, of course, it would be nice to hear the sounds. And if we want to mess with it next time, you know, we could always talk uh, inside baseball about it some other time. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I could tell I could tell during the session it was doing it. You know, they must have some kind of automatic noise gate or dampening or something that picks up anything and tries to make it a smooth experience. They have to design all this software for the lowest possible end user. So we understand that they're not going to give us a full mixing board and be like, go for it. Ready to have a team meeting? <laughs> Who's going to run the soundboard, right? <laughs> yeah, but we'll get a really good recording next time because we'll know that and we can just, you know, deal with it. But I bring it up so that people know that they can also get a recording now if they do a session, which is kind of cool because I wasn't really willing to mess with that before. But now it's a lot simpler since I'm paying the dang bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But hey, I feel you know, like this I know, is I mean, the reason. The main reason I wanted the recording too was because you know I I've used your you did a free session uh, ringing in the new year um, a big group session where you do a, like a a rundown of your whole process and then a really nice cool um, sound healing as a group and so I've listened to that three or four times and then I've listened to the one that you did with um, uh, Kalina Lux twice. And, you know, that's, you know, kind of stemming back to my release work stuff. One of the biggest benefits uh, of working with Beth Martins is that she provides a whole bunch of audios that you can use. And I use them over and over and over again, because if you find some little thing, just like a book, if you find a book that really changes your life, 
to read it, you know, you might want to read it every year. Some people will read a book. Some people will keep a book in their back pocket and just, you know, I mean, the Bible is an obvious example, but some people will keep, you know, just a random fiction novel or whatever the little inspirational piece of uh, information is with them at all times. And I do that with audios a lot. So I intend to continue to listen to your backlog recordings, whatever ones I can get my hands on just over and over and over again. And you can even put them on double speed and it doesn't affect anything. So you can, you know, still be in a meditative mindset, but if you don't want to take the full hour and a half or whatever it is, it still hits, you know, it doesn't change anything. It's not rushing. It doesn't feel like it's rushing to me anyway, you know? So we wouldn't want it to be Russian. That is not PC anymore. (laughs) I'm shocked at how long this, how much mileage they can get out of this Russia thing. It's impressive. Because they've been doing this since, the, like, what, the 60s? It, no. never, it never ends. Since, since, I mean, really, it goes all the way back. Because, like, I remember, well, no, Russia used to be on our side back in the day. Did you guys know that? Like, was uh, Revolutionary War, the second part of it, the, uh, the British showed up, and then they sent, the, the Russians sent their armada and parked it, like, over by Maine just to let the Brits know that they could pop the whole thing off, you know, like, like they were backing us up back then. So I don't know what happened when, when somebody went heel and now we got to be enemies. I like the idea of being friends with Russia way better than I like being their enemy. This sucks. We need to flip it back. Uh, they're my <laughs> friends, uh, you know, other than the gangster government, but that applies to all governments. Yeah. That's how I see that. Us and the Russians are all very similar. Our governments are also very similar in the negative way. <laughs> well, the absolutely lovely Jenny B has a question about good book tips for you, SB. Good book tips. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll continue to brainstorm this as we go. But off the top of my head, there's an amazing book called Awareness by uh, he's actually like a, a Jesuit uh, priest or a monk or something named Anthony DeMello. But um, the audio book is brilliant. Now, I'm sure the, the written book is fine, but the audio book is brilliant because what they did is they captured him in a series of lectures and then they um, edited that down to the book itself. And so if you get the uh, recording off of Audible, it's actually him in the lectures. And so you can hear his voice. And he's got a pretty thick Indian accent. So that gives some uh, je ne sais quoi, some character to the recordings. But it's just really insightful um, about how to increase your own self-awareness in such a way so that you, you know, the, the real goal of my spiritual practice is to draw ever towards imperturbability. And, you know, another way to say it is unfuck with ability, right? Like no matter what happens, even if I do get a flat tire in the rain and I'm on the way to a wedding and I got to get my tuxedo all muddy or I miss it or to, to truly not care, but also not care in the aspect of being apathetic, to not care in a way that it's okay to actually be completely okay with whatever happens at any time. And and I would say uh, that book, Awareness by Anthony DeMello, was a big key to that puzzle. He, he describes, I could, I could try to remember it, let's see. He describes this process. He says this, and this is similar to the release process. It's very similar. It's like, this was almost like the foreshadowing of me getting to the next level with this same concept. So he says, what you want to do is you want to, figure out some way that you're having uncomfortable feelings about something to notice it or to even bring it up. Like, you know, that you have an uncomfortable relationship with a person or an entity or whatever it is. And to notice that just to like welcome it and notice it. 
And then to realize that it's definitely happening inside of you and that whatever it is, is not outside of you. You know, if every time you see one person, you know, maybe there's a crackhead lady that always hangs out at the laundromat and you're just always dreading having to go there because she's going to hit you up for a buck. That feeling you have of being uncomfortable with her is inside of you and it literally has nothing to do with her. It's something that's happening emotionally and spiritually within you. And so you take those two steps, you know, you realize something's wrong, you welcome it, and then you realize that it's inside of you. And then the third step is to uh, intentionally let go of the concept of taking it personal in any way, to stop identifying with it, you know, to look at it. So you don't want to say, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm feeling anger, a feeling of anger is around. I'm noticing that there's a feeling of anger around currently is a huge shift from I'm pissed off. If you, if you say I am, that's about the most powerful thing an individual can say, because the next thing you say, you are creating yourself to be that thing. You're shoving yourself in that box, whatever it is. So if instead you say, you know, right now, today, I'm having a feeling of anger or I'm having a feeling of depression or irritation, whatever it is, it disconnects you from that identification process. And the last step is to just continue to do that, to get in the practice of this, doing this over and over again. So if something bothers you, you recognize that it really has something to do with you. It's not outside of you. It's not the government. It's not Trump. It's not, you know, the crackhead at the laundromat. Okay, then to stop identifying with it, stop taking it personally. And this just the, the last step I would add is to notice that change. It's like feels like you get energy back used if you do it right. Because all of a sudden it stops. You're like, oh, it's not personal. It's not them. It's not outside of me. And usually you get this sense of peace, relief, a return of energy back to your system. And if you notice that, then then you really are the I am. and You can stop right there. I am. That's really all we can answer when someone asks, you know, what if you're not your body and you're not your thoughts, then what are you? Well, just I am. That's all you can be. You know, there's not really an answer. That's the beautiful mystery of this realm, in my opinion. I love all that, man. Also, <laughs> there's a couple of things. First of all, you said je ne sais quoi, which is the perfect phrase for S.B. Alger. You would definitely have that ineffable, indescribable quality of somethingness. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's why I called you S.B. Alger, because yeah. maybe, maybe that's how the French would pronounce your name. I don't know. Alger, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, I believe it is the Germans and maybe some other languages out there where they don't even say I am angry or I am sad. They say I have sadness. I have anger. Yeah. Totally I think different. I remember you hearing you say that before. That's because that key keyed into my brain because of that fact that I already have been trying to change this process and it doesn't come immediately, but if you just start changing your internal dialogue, that, that was the first key for me to really change my life from being a pretty miserable fucker to being able to start the process of being at ease and at peace and moving towards contentedness, regardless of uh, if things are going, are being challenging, you know? Well, you brought up like the crackhead lady at the laundromat. <laughs> hey, Gordy in the house. What's up? There was a time when I was doing psychedelics more often and mushrooms specifically where I had like a spurt of a few weeks where I kept having a repeated yeah, experience. <laughs> kept having a repeated experience of a, a bewildering old woman different old women every time coming up to me in public places like the grocery store and saying things to me that freaked me out. And then 
and then me running away. And yeah. I was like, and eventually I had to, I had to like figure out where it lived inside of me. And like, why is, what is it that I believe about reality and myself in this experience that is continually drawing it to me and causing me to get freaked out? And then it stopped. So. Right. And that's eventually what, what I did to solve it was I just stopped believing that it, that it meant anything or that it mattered. And then it stopped happening. Right. Which to me, that would still be the step of not identifying with it. Hey, Gordy, what's up, my brother? Yeah, welcome, Gordy. Gentlemen, you know, I can't stay away from you too long. So <laughs> no, I have no dinner, dinner yet. Well, I was eating, making dinner. Um, What'd you having? Steak and vegetables. I made, oh, like, damn it, I lost my knife. Right. <laughs> At I least it a, wasn't the food on the plate. I got right. freaked out for a second. No, there. I got. Yeah, but, that uh, sound made me wonder if, if steak and vegetables were headed for the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I got uh, onions from the garden here. Nice. Oh, hey, I got some hot lemony honey water with mint leaves from the garden. Cheers. Mm. Cheers, my friend. So, <laughs> you know, this guy, this badass uh, John Alger, this cat does this, uh, what do you call it, clearing thing? That's called, I mean, you call it release technique. I wouldn't call it therapy. That's a common misnomer as people call it therapy, but it's not quite as in-depth as something like therapy. It, it is not required to jump in so deep into the pool as you usually would need to in a typical therapy setting. Um, and so I just call it release technique. Um, a common name for it is Sedona method, but I would be uh, hesitant to use that unless I went and got certified under their specific um, coursework. You know, being that they are release coaches, they're probably used to uh, a lot of people saying Sedona method and they don't they probably don't sweat it too much. But, you know, I learned from Beth Martins. Um, I, I had started to get uh, Beth Martins in my uh, in my space back during the days of picture show, Art's only picture show. And we did have her on. She was one of our very last guests. And um, I had this intuitive gut feeling that there was work to be done with Beth that wasn't the same as what I would call my lusty feeling to try something new or different or whatever. And I, and like I said to you, Chance, I had the same type of feeling about the sound healing stuff. It was when Buffalo and Legs mentioned uh, your, their, their response to it during the day of brightness that I had this little, this subtle, quiet click or whatever you want to call it that says, hey, there's another step on your path right there, you know. Well, before you continue on that, I just want to say I have the same dilemma in the naming of what I do. <laughs> right. When you call it sound healing, people are picturing a yoga studio with like uh, singing bowls and gongs and just kind of laying down and taking a bath in sound, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but it's not that. It is way right. more like surgical and precise. And then if I was to call it biofield tuning, then it sounds like I'm kind of ripping off Eileen Day McCusick's title for her method which i did learn from reading her books and talking to her but i'm not certified through her program right. or anything either so i've been waiting for patiently for a, a better name to pop into my mind for it but anyway i want you yeah, to continue I, I think that'll come around either that or we'll both find a way to easily go get certified uh on top of whatever else we got and then it won't matter because <laughs> i you know i've considered that to, to at least look up what her pricing is because i find it fascinating but see to me that would be the difference that's not the intuitive feeling that's me like wanting to add it to my repertoire you know like i'm gonna go get certified too you know but you know I've got all the books dude i have like the the whole packet 
if we want to do like a study group that's just Sedona method stuff. Yeah. I wonder if I could share share some of that, digitize it. It's like all on CD and stuff, I think. Yeah, I know. that. There's there's quite a few uh, different people that – so I'll give a quick rundown of uh, um, of the release technique and where it came from. So a gentleman named Lester – You have to Lundin. be quick, you know, like uh, wrap on it as much as you mm. want. I'm curious no. here. Yeah, sure. No, I want to hear all about this because um, Sean did it in our group, and it helped tons of people, dude. It was it was amazing. Please, I, I yeah, I, we were out, we were out. Uh, Gordy had his group, um, the the conspiratorium inheritance group, where Gordy reviews all of this uh, literature that he inherited from a family member that all has a esoteric and occult uh, leaning to it. Um, and you could just feel that everybody was was under pressure. They could, you know, we were all still happy to be there, and no one was complaining or arguing. But you could just feel the kind of vibe in the air. And I had the same thing. I had this intuitive gut feeling to offer a group release for the first time. And um, so I kind of waffled on it. And I was walking my dogs at the same time. So it's like, man, do I really want to try to walk the dogs at night in the cemetery and offer some kind of group help? You know, maybe I'm doing too much. But it turned out and it worked really good. You know, it took us a while to finally for me to really step up and say, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Everybody agreed. And it went really well. So where this whole technique comes from um, is a man named Lester Levinson. Now, I was trained through Beth Martins, and I'll talk about her more a little bit later. But Lester Levinson, um, I don't know the date for sure when when this was all happening, but it was definitely like in the 40s or 50s. He was a well-known and highly successful physicist. And... um, and so he was successful as a physicist in doing his his scientific works, but um, like happens to so many people, he ended up with a bunch of health problems. And um, when he went to the doctor, they told him, "Look, you like just had your second heart attack or whatever." And they pretty much told him, "Go home. You're probably going to die soon. Get your life in order." I wouldn't even go up and down the stairs, is what his doctor told him. Like, you're not going to make it. Like, you shouldn't even be messing around going up and down stairs. That's how, how close to death they told him he was. And so he went home and decided that uh, he wasn't happy with that evaluation. And, you know, obviously he had that feeling of, like, I want to live. We all have this natural inherent desire to survive in this body. You know, we don't want to let it go. Most of us, even people that do want to let it go, struggle and have a hard time. You know, it's not, it's not so simple. To, to check out of this life. And so he went home and applied his scientific mind to the idea that he could possibly solve this problem and live and, and continue his life. And he did. And what he came upon was this technique, which is very similar to the Anthony DeMello thing. And so what Lester did is once he realized that he had discovered something that was allowing him to at the minimum feel better. So he's not sitting there with the ominous feeling of knowing he's going to die soon to let go of the feeling of, of, the, of I'm going to die. And that keyed him off in the process. And he just, once he figured it out, he just kept at it for like three months or six months or whatever, until he felt like he'd come to full enlightenment through the process of letting go. And really it's very similar to a Zen Buddhist practice or these practices of non-attachment, you know, and, but it, it really has aspects of, of almost any spiritual practice you could find anywhere. And, um, so Lester, once he had realized that he had, and it's, it worked, you know, the bottom line is it worked. Instead of, uh, of dying of a heart attack or suffering ill health for a long period of time and then dying or anything, he just let everything go and his body naturally physically healed. And um, so he didn't, as far as I know, he didn't take any other great big steps. 
he released everything that was surrounding this diagnosis of death and bad heart and everything. And it allowed the body to heal just by believing that, um, that he didn't have the weight or the worry or the con concern on him anymore for all of that, you know? And so he started training people up once he realized that he hit on something, you know, and he was, he was studying the great masters and, you know, like he quotes Jesus and Buddha and all this stuff. You can find his lectures on YouTube and he's a fascinating and hilarious character. He's well worth listening to, you know, like he uses a lot of silly uh, kind of dad joke language, like stop shooting on yourself like, don't should all over yourself. Like, I should do this. I should do that. I, you know, I need to, I have to, I want to, I must, you know, so. There, but there's that a shooting of, a bit though? Like, you should not should, thou shalt not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, oh, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. And, uh, there's no, a lot. Not, of, it's, uh, that's a really good advice. Yeah, that's good dad humor for sure. Yeah, stop shooting all over yourself. <laughs> it's, well, it's just so true. Oh. Thomas has been fortunate enough to do three sessions with SB and it is a very helpful tool and practice. Yeah. Thomas and I are doing, uh, doing good work and I, I look forward to uh, Thanks man for, for popping in with that TR. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, TR is an amazing character. Uh, he offered to do me some work and trade because I'm just still in the process of getting this started, putting up a site, trying to get uh, everything organized so that it's um, more approachable for people to, you know, to figure out what I'm doing and to see if it's the right thing for them. And uh, so he's, he's really a brilliant designer, creative side, like whipping up websites, video um, editing and all that stuff. So, you know, if you need that kind of stuff, I would definitely check out TR, you know, cause he's, he's amazing. And an inspiration, that guy. So now, you know, let's, I want you guys to know this is the site that I designed, not TR. I'm not saying that it's terrible, but it's different than what he would put up. So, <laughs> I, I just want people to know it's there. The man has a website that makes him official. SBL.com. I, I updated it not too long ago. There might be a couple things that are, are that aren't 100% accurate. So if you're on there and you're reading and you have questions, the best thing to do is uh, to hit me with a private message on Telegram, hit me with a private message on Twitter, or email me there at the email that's listed. You know, or on Facebook, I'm, you know, I'm all over social media because uh, I'm a, I'm a generation X and, you know, that's what they gave us. They gave us all these things. And so we, we live on those things still. So Sean has this uh, love of all things um, kind of like uh, old animation things. And like, we have a lot of the same tastes. So yeah. I knew this guy loved um Ren and Stimpy, right? So this is yeah. I've been waiting for to ask somebody who knows this this whole genre for years, Sean, and you're just the person to answer this for me. Yeah. So in uh the Ask Doc Doctor Stupid in Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy says He's going to tell you that he, so the character, Dr. Stupid, he's, uh, puts on a mortarboard and plays, um, kind of a, uh, ask, ask Mr. Wizard kind of character, like a TV show advice thing. And he's wearing a mortarboard. He's some, he's answering a, a kid's, um, 
letter about something about the truth about your parents. He says, he says, while you're at school, they shed their human skin and breathe dryer lint. <laughs> so do you think <laughs> now that Kirk Felucci, now that we know that he's a pedophile and in that, that kind of, uh, yeah, if people don't know John Cage, the main creator of Ren and Stimpy, that was actually the very first thing that we did on RX Only Picture Show was we brought my brother on, who's an ex- literally a comics expert. Like he's the most one of the most prolific comic drawers that I've ever seen in my life. And um, we had him come on and talk about that horrible downfall of John K being exposed as like he was like courting and grooming underage girls and having them be his like little special helper. And I mean like you know, like 13, 14, 15 year olds. And like, it was a weird environment and a bad vibe in the office. So yeah, when that came out, a lot of people, you know, burned all their rent and stimpy paraphernalia and, you know, tore their clothes and threw ashes on their head because their favorite kind of kooky and nasty cartoon turned out to be actually like the root was rotten. You know, John K is rotten, unfortunately. It's like, uh, yep. These those situations they remind me of the metaphor of the uh, the poisoned well or the uh, what's the other one the desecrated host uh huh which is where they find something that everybody's going to participate in they poison the source everybody eats it everybody but the uh, and everybody gets sick but they were actually targeting one person in the group. Uh, theoretically, old poisoner method. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I I see that a lot. I mean, I would say the same thing happened with the the whole flat earth thing. You know, like like it came out around 2015, it really started to get a big push. And, like, Eric Dubay uh, was, was like, the main guy that most people would find. And um, so, like... Eric Dubay, after pushing Flat Earth really hard on Facebook, like he went really hard at all of the World War II Nazi really taboo controversial topics after that, you know, like, no, I wouldn't say Hitler loving, but definitely pretty Hitler apologist, you know, and um, and then after that. So to me, that was already the same thing, you know, like negative association strategy, right? Like poisoning the well, like a bunch of people get enlightened like, hey, the realm that we live in is different than what we've always believed. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and you guys are also neo-Nazis. Don't forget, you know, Ta-da, you know, like they throw it in there, like they paint everybody with the broad brush. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Just like everyone who is uh, anti-cowpoke is uh, a raving Q-tard. Right. Now, exactly. Now, after, they, the, they uh, after the capital insurrection. And the other one I saw was like later on down the road, maybe more like 2016, um, a whole bunch of the prominent flat earthers came out as uh, people who practice urine therapy, which is this process of drinking your own pee and the alleged health benefits. of it's not just drinking your own pee, but that's the main thing that people find out, you know, is that like you're supposed to capture and redrink your own urine, which I mean, I don't, I just can't fathom. I mean, I know a lot of people do it, <laughs> but I just can't, like, I don't, I don't know how sick I would have to be before. Mike Winter. Mike Winter from Alpha Vedic swears it's the real deal. And I, I it, uh, I'm not like, I'm not going to hate on someone for doing it. It doesn't feel like something I'm called to do personally. Yeah, you're here. That's the way I feel too. Mike I mean, Winter's like, doing it. Uh, he, dude's pretty awesome. 
Yeah. So I, mean, I know a, that about a lot of people. But did we know? all just get kind of like uh, catfished by somebody? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's to me, that's the, uh, we, we don't really know. So you just like, to me, I've come to the point where it doesn't matter who's managed, who's controlled, who's a shill, all of that stuff just can't matter. You're supposed to take the information that you get and internalize it and apply it somehow. And I don't want to judge people based on my uh, spooky opinion of what they might or might not be because I don't have evidence. You know, obviously, if somebody comes out and says, hey, I'm a shill, and they show you their shill credentials, that's a different story. But um, even then, if they're publishing lots of good information, I'm still going to take it with a grain of salt and uh, listen in, you know. But that negative association concept um, is so powerful, you know. Because then people who are new to the idea of looking at flat earth and not even believing it, but it being ex- ready to explore it, they're like, wait, you guys drink your own pee? <laughs> and you like and you like Hitler a lot, huh? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'm not as interested as I thought I was, you know, that's it. So, so I took this way off on a tangent there, Gordy. So <laughs> I love this. It's a good tangent. It's beautiful. But so I think no, I'm going to weigh in on the pee thing, even though I have, I have no experience doing it. It does seem like you would want to be really healthy before you did it. Yeah, well, that's, that's the main argument. If you look at people who say, hey, we can explain why this works um, and that you don't need the urine, that's the main argument. Is like, well, if you get heavy into um, intermittent fasting, uh, eating a mostly raw and fruit uh, and vegetable diet and all these kind of things – you know, then the argument is that your body is is purifying and cleaning itself by the same natural process. I mean, I practice a system called mucusless diet healing system, and uh, it's not, um, you know, no, they just, they recently had a big argument with all the people who do drink urine, and they all got booted out because they were vying and arguing for their position to be a part of the group, when really the man who started the mucusless diet healing system definitely did not advocate or include that as part of his system. So in that context, it's easy to say you guys have got to go because it's a specific system started by a man named Arnold Eret, and Eret definitely was against urine therapy. So, but in any other context to me, it's like I, I could be open-minded and, and definitely give respect to people that are doing it without not judging them out of hand. But when I think about it, I have a repulsion response. So there's just no way I could do it, you know? But there's this dude, Dr. Group, that talks about it from, uh, I think it's Natural Healing Center, maybe. Global Healing Center might be his website. The dude's like 66, and he looks younger than uh, than some of us on screen right now. Yeah. I'm not defending it, but I'm not, uh, I'm open-minded to it, you know, if it's working for some people. Yeah, I can't judge people for, I mean, me and Gordy have talked about this, that, you know, the diet that healed him and allowed him to really improve his life is definitely pretty much the polar opposite of what I practice. And so a lot of people, when they get into it, and Chance, you know this because you've been involved in the vegan community and stuff, people trip. And especially if they have a big heart for animals and stuff, then they start to get in this emotional space where, like, you should just stop doing that. You know, that you shouldn't, you definitely shouldn't be involved in that. And I can't, I can never back that attitude, you know. Like, if you have your own personal position, that's fine. But to project it out onto the rest of the world, I think that's a huge mistake, you know. And to be, you know, to me, it it borders on the other uh, problems with people who end up too woke. And then everything, you can't, you can't have your heart on your sleeve and have uh, all your emotions wearing them right in the middle of your chest like a sign. Because the world is cruel and difficult and challenging. And you got to be tough. You have to have a thick skin in this world. And if you if you don't believe that, then... You, 
I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you, you have to, you're going to be a lot happier in life if you move towards imperturbability and unfuck with ability and away from finding something outside of yourself that is a reason to complain or feel hurt or be upset or be affected. Because if they can put all of that waiver in your emotional center by their actions outside of you, then you're, then you're done, man. Cause then, then the people that are malicious are going to do that every time, just like any good troll in the chat. You know, I've seen whole live streams like this get derailed because the host looks down in the chat box and somebody gets his goat. And now the whole stream turns into the host trying to get us to team up against the trolls in the chat. And it's like, you can't do that, buddy. <laughs> Dude, I've seen that. Oh, yeah. my God. I it doesn't it happen. So that's true about your whole life. You know, you can't let yeah. any troll get you. Mm-hmm. All right. So PK said that, that uh, P, PK was cured of scalp dandruff by P. And okay. I have some pretty, like, lifelong scalp dandruff. And I'm not about to use head and shoulders or something. So. Can I, I'm asking you specifically, stop, speaking of talking to people in the chat, not trolls though. <laughs> can I like wash my head with my pee and then immediately take a shower? Is that like, will that work? <laughs> I'm laughing, but like, I don't know. I might try that. It's, it's a little bit less extreme than drinking. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you get into it, they do some pretty extreme stuff. So, so back to the idea of it being negatively associated. And like I said, I'm not against it. Whatever works for people is their business and I support them in it. If it's actually improving and, and, uh, and improving the quality of their life, then I'm in no position to ever judge anyone as long as it's not hurting other people. But you will also find people talking about aging their urine. So they'll like leave it with a piece of cheesecloth and rubber band and let it six, sit out for six months and then they'll scrub it on their skin. Or some people will even drink the aged urine. And like I know one guy was uh, snorting it like to clear out his sinuses. And so my mind was blown. Like, what, bro? Like, you're going to age your urine and then snort it? Like, but well, think about it, though. I mean, I'm, I'm devil's advocate right now. But, hey, <laughs> this has kind of a spiritual self-reliance thing about it. You know, yeah, you're, that's another you're, main you're putting the, the output is going back into the input. You know, it's like a perpetual yep. energy system. I don't know. There's a, and I know I Amanda Vollmer also advocates for it to some degree. So, and I respect her work. So the main thing for me isn't, uh, it's just my own personal position is in my mind when I imagine doing it, I can't imagine to what degree I would have to be unwell to decide that that seems okay because my own personal reaction is still too yeah like no I can't like my, well, again, my you don't want to do it when you're unwell because it's not going to be good juice right and I don't know it's just it's definitely to me this stems back to the bigger issue is polarizing topics in general is the that's the a la carte rule for for the control mechanism and all the propaganda and uh, dividing people into groups and getting everyone to choose a side. Are you on the peace side or the no peace side? Are you Republican Democrat? Are you pro abortion against abortion? Are you believe nine 11 was a conspiracy or not, et cetera. And I mean, the list is endless. And so that's why I love our policy as spiders of a yes. And, you know, like it has to be yes. And you can't, you don't have to put any, if you polarize it into two topics, to me, you already lost. Like, why would you do that? There's no reason to limit yourself to one or the other. Except the for... The can't be named. Yeah, exactly. 
At the end of the day, it's just not intuitive. <laughs> so right. that's, to me, that's, the, that's the main thing for me, Chance, is that intuitively it's like, no, I don't want to drink my pee. I don't want to rub it on me. But that's, that's just me right now. Who knows? In three years, if I got some problem coming up and uh, I've tried everything else under the sun and nothing's working, you know, because a lot of people, that's how they end up in the position of practicing it is that nothing else is working and they're suffering. And so then someone puts them onto it and they get results. Okay. So I can't deny people that I just, uh, I do have my doubts too. Like, well, you know, if you just, if you just intermittent fast really hard and move towards a mono, uh, a mono eating diet, a lot of the time that'll make a lot of problems go away. You know, if you just only eat only sweet potatoes for your dinner or, you know, only juice fast or all the, you know, there's lots of strategies I would recommend before moving all the way to your in therapy, but, I think it's funny we got off on this. We're 42 minutes in. Dude, we just keep getting reports, though, like A-T-B-A-F-E. It just saved my dog's life from a rattlesnake bite. I mean, yeah. there's that's some good stuff right there. I'm glad that the dog wow. got his life saved. That's no it, by the way, this chat tonight is like the littest ever. Yeah. Hey, um, I saw Michelle pop up. I had a question for you, Michelle, if you will check your Telegram um, messages. Um, it is regarding tomorrow night's uh, moon night. And I have a thread that I've been pulling on that was a detail that I don't know that anybody's ever seen before. But uh, these guys, these smart fuckers here, we're going to figure some shit out. But uh, we've got, we've got the, this, this is what I love about like people like Sean, that we can we've got this awesome brain trust. Like Sean has these very specific skills and Gabe has these very specific skills and Michelle and Mario and chance. And, you know, it just endless this community. Like, I don't know that there's a whole lot we can't figure out, you know, cause I think, I mean, already with us, like doing whatever we can do remotely. I think, I mean, Sean, we've started kind of these, even though none of us have ever met, like we've shared things like brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a kindred spirit towards you, Gordy, in a tremendous way. And I feel that to one degree or another towards almost everybody. I call it a spontaneous artist collective. And I'm not the only one that's noticing because I saw Kalina Luck saying the same thing that we're getting this sprawling interconnected effect happening across groups. And so the spiders group overlaps with the interverse group overlaps with, um, you know, the one-on-one group overlaps with overlaps with, and it doesn't end. We could literally rattle off a hundred names right now of different figurehead podcasters or whoever it is that has a group and they're all kicking it with each other to one degree or another. And it's not just for fun and for entertainment or for distraction. It's about, self-improvement, spiritual path, esotericism in an affirmative and positive way, you know, or, and, and to me, it's I like just the imaginal that. cells of the butterfly when it's becoming a butterfly. Yeah. The, uh, the caterpillar cells turn into butterfly cells and then start to eat the caterpillar. And then those cells eventually interconnect with each other and overtake the, the body of the dying beast. So in the same way, we're using the machinery of the old system to evolve it from the inside. Here, here, transmutation. 
Yeah. And the, the gut feeling I get, because I know people are really scared right now, and it's a legitimate um, concern because if you're noticing the price of uh, things at the store and, the, you know, if you buy anything in a package, like a box of cereal, the price is going up and the size is getting smaller. You know, not that I recommend buying cereal, you know, but uh, that's just a good example of where we're headed. Price of gas is staying pretty high. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned. But at the same time, I have for years now, I've had this gut feeling that there's an opportunity to continue this transmutation process and then be still and don't fight and don't interject yourself into the contest, whatever it is, whatever is on offer to be a part of a war, quote unquote, World War Three is the digital war for your mind, like Prince said on that old video from 2001. Mm -hmm. And so if you can, you know. The, the, I love the scripture, be still and know I'm the Lord, right? Just be still and know that, that God and the universe are working on your behalf. I think there's an opportunity for a bunch of us to just allow this thing to fall away from us and occupy the space that's left, you know, and that's my goal. And I've been, I've been honestly telling people the secret to World War III is to not fight. For probably 20 years, I've been telling people in a private capacity mm -hmm. or in uh, conversations as a group, like, don't let them get your goat. And, and choose a side so that you're on a side so that they can, because they want to paint you with that broad brush, you know? He's part of the Q movement. Well, that means that, you know, the Antifa has to fight against you or whatever. Like, you don't, I don't have to be against or for anybody. It's about, it's about choosing your names too. Like what you identify with is right. what you become. You say, yeah, that's where we started this whole conversation. Exactly. Yep. If you say I am blank, anything you fill in right there is a potential liability. Yeah. Hey, look look at this, Sean. Since uh, you're old school, this is my old uh, monkey yeah. free Masonic, Masonic monkey like a mofo. <laughs> I love that banana as the uh, <laughs> as the compass. Isn't that great? Compass. I like that the uh, radioactive three that. triangles is upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all like. It's kind even like, got the it's got the castration effect going with the compass cutting the banana. Yeah. Oh, wow. the compass is oh, wait, cutting wait, wait, the banana. Wait, where is it? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh funny. Yeah. Snip, snip. yeah, that's deep. So, what do you guys think? Do you think uh, that it's um, nefarious spirits influencing people so that everything reverberates on the same level? Like it's the, it's the, the, the invisible spirits making a joke that there's always a castration joke because you know that the artist who made that wasn't necessarily on the, you know, he's not on the placenta anal birth of the homunculus castration tip. Like we all, you know, especially not. No, you, you never know. Maybe he's, he noticed it, but he was afraid to put it out there as bold. That's as true. Do. That's true. That I said so that for one-on-one -on -one cause I saw him drop it in the chat. <laughs> that's a great question, SB. You know, it makes me think about something that's been on my mind a lot lately is the fact that Zeus is a shapeshifter. Zeus can turn himself into golden oil that seeps through the cracks so he can infiltrate some hidden vestigial virgin who's uh, yeah. stowed away in the center of the earth. He's a shapeshifter. So and all rape all the time. Right. <laughs> so to whatever degree. Zeus represents this shape-shifting trauma that that works its way into whatever situation is appropriate for the combination lock to get you the best. And so 
that's kind of my new metaphor for Zeus is he's like a shape-shifting trauma experience, whatever, uh, you know, choose your, choose your own adventure trauma. Uh, and so that's what I think we're talking about. When you say, is it a spirit that's inevitable to come forward? I think that's kind of the muse that we're seeing is the shape-shifting Zeus trauma uh, yeah. logos. I, I now, think it's mostly just um externalization factor of basically we're innately terrified of being infinitely limitless and powerful. And so we construct a story where we don't have to experience all of that. <laughs> everything, everything everywhere all at once type deal. Yeah. I'm feeling that man. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I feel like I'm finally in a, such a blessed and amazing position to pursue all the things that I only dreamed about. I really credit Jim Maiden and his family because working for them made me realize that the path to, to being a professional artist isn't nearly so far out of reach as my brain was putting it. But so then everything shifts in such a way that, um, that like it's all right in front of me, you know. I'm sitting in my studio. It was a mess last week, but this week I put it all together, you know. And, I, and this is the projector screen behind me. I figure eventually I'll have some stuff projected on there in the background for fun, you know. But uh, doing that, analog, yeah, analog for you know exactly background. just because you can, right? You know, put a put a record on the record player and project something on the old old silver screen because it's silver, you know. But um, wow, cool that yeah. feeling of being like, well, shit, nothing's blocking me. Nothing's in my way. And you go, oh, fuck, you know, and you go play your racing video game. Eh, I don't want to do all the exciting stuff that's going to make the world better. Leave me alone, you know? And then you catch yourself doing it. Like, oh, I got to undo this behavior. I can't be distracting myself. I actually have the opportunity. I can't waste the opportunity. And so you waffle back and forth with this terrific uh, access to power. And a lot of people let it go to their head. You know, they get the power, the position, they get a bunch of money because they succeeded at something. And then they become some kind of psychopathic asshole because they read the Prince and 42 laws of power or something, you know, (laughs) when I kind of, when I was, when I was younger and in a really bad relationship, I kind of did that to a degree because my, uh, the lady I was with was driving me so crazy that I started studying all these, uh, NLP and interrogation techniques really to just protect myself because she was uncanny in her ability to manipulate and uh, control the situation. And um, it works so easily that I spooked off of it. It's like, Oh, I'm going to become Svengali. I'm going to become Rasputin with this shit. Like the people will literally fall under your spell and you just talk to them and they go, yes, Sean, you are correct. And they go off and you step off a cliff for you. And so I backed way off of it, but I feel like I've come full circle now where it's like, well, I don't have to be afraid of myself. You know, because I've made a thorough investigation of my heart and found that what I want is for it to be pure and good and true and foundationed in love. And so if I stick with that, then I'm good. I don't have to fear anything, even death. It's that unfuck with a unfuck with a bull. No. Yeah, unfuck with a bull. Man, that so that article, I I don't know if you've ever read that that article made the rounds a few years ago. Being unfuckwithable. And, I, heard, I don't uh, think I ever did open it. It uh, it's this great uh, article that t- talks about you know being in your own knowing of being a, in your own security and your own sovereignty and being knowing that you are a badass that you can create whatever reality you want. 
that's being unfuckwithable. Like, uh, it's like, it's the biggest thing I've ever learned from the owls, man. Like there was, <clears throat> there was once a, uh, one, the first year I was with them, there was a rattlesnake was trying to get up into the nest. Oh, Gordy froze up on us. Of course, it has to freeze right when you're telling an exciting story. <laughs> Am I back? You're back. Yeah, the rattlesnake was going for the nest. Rattlesnake was trying to get in the nest. They just watched it, and I'm I'm freaking the fuck out, you know, thinking I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to take charge and change nature because <laughs> I'm not going to handle it if one of those things gets gets popped, right? And but I mean these are three foot machine killing machines with knives for feet. And so I mean <laughs> they can really take care of themselves. So but they just sat there and watched the thing. They never let it out of their sight, but they knew it couldn't get there. It couldn't get to the babies. And it was that unfuckwithableness. I just watched over and over again, like when shit would happen around that like there was a threat of somebody kind of coming towards the tree and we did a ritual and asked a blessing and, you know, the tree was protected. Right. And, uh, but it's because like, that's what we've done for each other. You know, it's time. Yeah, I'd say there's a big lesson there that they didn't take action they would have taken action if the snake would have found some route up. One of them would have dive bombed in there and grabbed that thing, you know, but right, they didn't, but they didn't go grab it preventatively and carry it away and risk injury or death or anything. You know, they didn't expend any energy at all to do a preventative measure. What did they used to call it back in the Gulf war preemptive strike? Right. Which means we attacked you, you know, <laughs> a preemptive strike. Oh man, well, this is thematically what I'm going to be getting us into tomorrow night on the next Moon Knight episode. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to go watch that. I need to go watch the. Uh, I got to remind my lady that we got access to some pirates piracy. But this I love how you put it. It's a wa- nature doesn't waste energy in preventative measures. Yeah, it can't. It knows that that's. It's just it doesn't waste energy at all, right? Like zero waste. It's effective. But that's so to me, that's getting back to that uh, concept of if you're if you're letting your head run the game, your thoughts will try to talk you into wasting energy constantly because it's I used to have three stickers on my laptop back in the day. It said uh, yes, no and maybe. And like I had one in the bottom left corner and one up on the monitor and one down at the bottom right corner because it was a reminder to myself not to get stuck in that loop of trying to figure it out. Uh, was it yes? Is it no? Is it maybe? Is it maybe yes. It's maybe no. Maybe it's maybe. I don't know. And that's, to me, that's not genuinely of nature if you're doing that because nature doesn't ever have to do that. I don't think nature takes the answers into consideration. It just observes and then reacts only when it's appropriate to react, you know? And we're going to have a hard time being that perfect, but it is still a great example to follow. Uh, Another thing I've learned from Gordy is how great it is to connect with a tree. (laughs) Like I I was letting him know in a voice message before we came on the air that I had a little bit of like dingy energy earlier tonight and was kind of tired, had tired eyes, all that. 
and I went and found a really nice tree at the park. I was in great, like, um, you know, the sun was still up, but it was low in the sky. So it wasn't like aggressively hot. So I got direct sunlight, sat under this tree, 20 minutes of breathing, set a timer, put the phone on airplane mode. And when I opened my eyes again, I was just full of that good chi. <laughs> yeah. And then I was walking away and I got about 50 feet away and I remembered, oh, I got to thank that tree. That tree really helped me out. And I looked back at it and I was like, thank you, tree. And then I just felt this surge of stokedness about life fill my whole body. It wasn't like a mental thing. It was a feeling in my whole body that just filled me up yeah. and enlivened me. So trees are the real deal. Thanks for saying that. Cause that's reminded me to think that I talk to the trees in my backyard all the time, but I don't thank them enough. Uh, you know, like there's one tree that, uh, they're so well, awesome. They don't even care that you don't thank them enough. That's true. But, <laughs> but if, if you, you do, do think it's like bonus, it's a bonus. Exactly. You get, they bonus. thank you back. Yeah. They give yeah. you electricity. <laughs> hey, yeah, that kind of is kind of the thing. I mean, you're sitting in their torsion field. Like our chi works in a in our torsion, you know, in the the rings that go around us. And sitting in that under the tree and meditating, you're in that uh, electricity. Or how did you say it? Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Yeah, I love that's, it. I, I that's love not this. bad, dude. Because it does. It's like a orgone charger. Electricity. <laughs> Electricity. You have to say it like. <laughs> yeah, that sounded like that sounded like Ren. Yeah, like Ren. idiots! You're playing on my electricity. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, who's the guy he's based on? Um. Oh, he's the he's the old guy is from it, the old movies. Adam's family? No, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. I used to know. I can't think of his name. Oh, anyway, he yeah, I used to know. the guy that. Uh, What'd you say, Gabe? Uh, Igor. He Frankenstein. Kind of like Igor. It's the guy who's associated with <laughs> Trigor. Now, to me, now we've come up with a good character because if you can take yes. Ren, the strange little uh, horrible, neurotic, aggressive, angry chihuahua from the cartoon, and somehow you can transmute him into a good guy, maybe that would be Trigor. <laughs> right. So he might still have some of his neurosis and he might even still want to pop off and get grumpy, but at his core, instead of being unhappy and angry and scared, which is what Ren is, instead it's switched so he realizes, like, all right, I can be cool in the world, but oh, you're still upsetting me. <laughs> I love this tree gore. Tree gore, yeah, I'm going to write that down so we don't lose it. Me and Jim have a whole list of names somewhere of just random names that are good for characters. <laughs> they're, they're at the shop somewhere, Jim, at Jim Maiden's shop. I know it, either that or I took it when I left, and I've got it somewhere here. Yo, so speaking of stuff that we lost, we really lost track on you telling us about release method. Do you know oh, where yeah, you're sorry. at with that? Because I, I kind of still am fuzzy on what the method is. So I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, but I could give you guys a real basic example. So, I mean, bottom line is, you know, Lester Levinson figured it out for himself because he didn't uh, like the idea of going home and dying like the medical doctors told him to. And then um, he realized that he had something that he needed to bring to the world. So he started to uh, coach and help and assist other people to learn it. And so there's some pretty big names out there um 
the the one guy I found that I like his name's Larry Crane. Larry Crane used to be like a music industry exec. And like he put out a bunch of, uh, you know, back in the day, it used to always be seminars. You know, you buy a bunch of cassette tapes or a bunch of CDs. And I found some of Larry Crane stuff around and I really enjoy that. But so there's a lot of these people that worked with Lester directly. And then there's, you know, the second and third generation of people that they didn't work with Lester directly, but they worked with any of these more prominent people. And so I'm not even sure who taught Beth, um, but Beth, uh, my coach, Beth Martins, um, from the King Hero uh, Journey podcast, um, she she stepped out and decided to start coaching people to teach the technique. Now, she's a person who helps with coaching to release things, and she helps people with uh, developing their entrepreneurial spirit and their business, and um, she's excellent. She's amazing, and um, she's been doing a lot of stuff in the uh, – in the legal realm, comparing lawful versus legal and, you know, dealing with the, uh, the 2d false reality of the straw man or whatever you want to call it, you know, but, um, Beth's story was that she was a uh, vice president of her family company under her father. And, um, she had her life kind of divided into her professional life as a vice president working for the family business. And then she was uh, heavy into um, Eastern religion and yoga and going off to India and um, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer and like they had offered her one more like, you know, treatment that wasn't guaranteed or anything. It was uh, not experimental. There's a better word. I can't think of the word, um, but you know, when they're first developing something and it's not the main thing yet, you know, some, some form of uh, radiation in the body. I just can't think of it, but she refused and went home um and was going to just accept death. And what she found was that in her process of using the release technique, that it was really just a feeling and that what felt like death wasn't actually death, that it was just a feeling. And cause she went home to like take her spiritual practice to the level of fully accepting and going into her own death. But instead she found through using this technique that she was able to release the feeling of death and it switched her health journey from going towards death to going back towards life. And I think it took her probably three years to fully recover. But so, I mean, that's, that's one of thousands and thousands of similar stories of people using this technique. And it's really simple. You guys, it's very similar to what I said about Anthony DeMello. So the main thing that you do is you use uh, what we call the scale of emotion. And I don't remember who developed the scale of emotion. The whole idea of a scale of emotion came out in two or three different places all at the same time. Pause. So, go ahead. I didn't point out that the dude you brought up his book about like be not, <laughs> not identifying with feels feelings. Yeah. And stuff. His name is D mellow. Yeah. Yeah. Mellow. <laughs> okay. Continue. Yeah, also, I love I Beth Martin. She's such audience. a good friend. DeMello, Anthony DeMello. And sometimes they call him Tony, you know, but, and I would say it's very similar. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Tony DeMello actually knew about release work because it's, you guys know how it is. You get to a certain level of practice and it's all very similar with different nomenclature and slightly different techniques, but you're on the path, you know, you're on the same path. And so, um, so the most basic way I could describe a release process for people would be that uh, first you identify whatever emotion is confronting you. And you can only really release whatever you're going through at the moment. I mean, you can dredge up old feelings and try to release on that stuff, but really it's more useful for whatever's happening at the moment, you know? Um, 
you notice that you're having a bad feeling and then you identify it on this scale of emotion. So we call it AGFLAP-CAP is an acronym. And what it stands for is from the very bottom of the scale of, of human emotion all the way to the top, we have at the bottom apathy, grief, fear, lust, anger, and pride. And those are the lower scale emotions, right? So that's from the very bottom of apathy. I don't even care. Grief, you know, we all unfortunately understand grief, uh, fear, lust, anger, and pride. And so lust, anger, and pride have got some energy in them, but the ones at the very bottom are pretty flat and hard to work with. You know, if you're in apathy or grief or fear, it's pretty hard to get out of there, you know. So higher up, when you get past pride, then you move into truly affirmative emotional states. You have courage, you have acceptance, and you have peace, right? So that's the scale of emotion. So, um, so you memorize that and you really get familiar with it. Truly study the scale of emotion. And when you're helping someone through this process, you ask them to identify where they might be on that scale. And so then the next step after identifying where you are on the scale of emotion is to just welcome the feeling, to really welcome it. Instead of trying to hold it back or avoid it or wish that it was gone or push away from it or keep it contained or controlled, you just say, all right, I'm in grief, you know? And a lot of the time, if someone's in grief and you're trying to help them, if you ask them to welcome the grief and they say, yes, they can welcome it, um, they'll cry when they weren't crying before, you know? Like you welcome it and then the grief wants to come. It wants to come up to its full capacity. Any of these emotions, if you want to welcome them. And the other the other trick is, okay, so people get confused in the process because of this. So a lot of it has to do with a, a yes or no kind of a question. And people mistake the questioning process for um, for being like a command or an insinuation or a recommendation or an invitation when it's not. So if, uh, say, Gordy's in grief, and I say, Gordy, can you welcome the grief? And he says, no, I don't want to feel grief. That's not a mistake or a bad part of the process. Answering the question whether or not you can welcome something, yes or no, is still the correct process. Because if you say no, now you're at least welcoming the, the answer. Your intuitive gut answer is no. I don't want to be in, stuck in anger right now. And so if you say, yes, I can welcome the fact that I don't want it, you're still welcoming whatever process you're in. So that's an important, uh, that's, a lot of people get caught in misunderstanding the process because if you go through the process, you kind of want, if someone's coaching you through it or you're listening to an audio, you really want it to work because you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't already have feelings or something going on that you were unhappy with. So if someone says, can you welcome grief? What Your natural inclination is to be like, yeah, I'm welcoming it. But the true process is if you can't welcome it, is to admit that. And say, no, I don't welcome it right now. And then you still you still carry on from there. So say, uh, in that same example, say we're working with grief. So say um, you do welcome the grief. It works. You feel some slight change in your overall feeling uh, of how you're, you're feeling in your body. The next step is to identify uh, one of the three main wants. So I'd say the whole system works on those two principles. You have the scale of emotion and you have three main wants that you have in life that come up. So you have a want for love and approval. You have a want to be in control or a want for control of some kind. And you have a want for safety or for security. Now there's more to it than that, but that's the most basic level. So say back to the idea of grief, 
So you welcome the grief. You can feel it. Maybe you started crying now. You're really welcoming the grief to, to take up as much room and space at the moment as it possibly can. You welcome it 100%. So then the next step is to identify, okay, along with that grief or underneath that grief, is it a want for love and approval that you're feeling along with it? Is it a want to be in control that you're feeling along with it? Or is it a want uh, for safety or security that you're feeling along with it? And if one of those intuitively in your chest or in your gut is vibing more than the other, then you just take note of that too and you welcome it. Like, oh, I can feel it. I want control over this grief. I want to be able to make it go away. So then you welcome that feeling. Like I'm having a want for this grief to be under my control. And then the last step in the process is to just ask whether or not you can let it go. Like, okay, you, you found that you're in grief. You found that you, you want to have control over it. And so can you welcome that whole process and just let it go? And once again, it's back to that little tricky part. Okay, so most people want to, to say yes because you want to let it go. You know, some part of your brain is telling you to say yes. But the real thing is to use your intuitive gut feeling and find the, the real answer. So if the answer is no, I don't want to let it go, then you be honest with yourself and your coach or, the, or just, you know, if it's just a recording, you just be honest with yourself and say, no, I don't want to let it go. And that's the process. So you just do that over and over again. So when you say yes and you mean it intuitively in your gut, what you feel is a release. You feel uh, in the body a change of the amount of energy you have. You might, uh, the grief of crying might go away and it might change into a different feeling. You might feel relaxed, peaceful. You might feel like you want to change your physical position. Uh, if you're laying down, you might feel like you want to sit up or change. And so the very last step in the process is to just notice that change, whatever it is, and give all of your focus and energy and attention to it for the moment. Because you've gone through the process. You've uh, discovered where you are on the scale of emotion. You've uh, identified where you are in a series of wants. And then you've invited the whole process to go away. Can you let it go? Yes or no? Okay, yes, I can let it go. I don't want, I, I'm, I'm ready to let the grief go. I allow it to go. And then you, oh, you get this feeling of release. Oh, and you just notice that. And so it sounds uh, pretty basic, but as you guys could imagine, if you work through this over and over and over again, it develops just like anything else, you know? Hey, what's up? Hey, hey Martin. Yeah, nice. I'm so glad to see your face, Martin. Great yeah, to see you more of your face than I'm used to seeing. Yeah. <laughs> Minus a mustache. <laughs> I actually, it's funny because I saw a guy at the climbing gym that looked like he could have been your grown-up son or something. He was a younger <laughs> dude, but had the exact mustache. He had a similar cadence of talking as you and body really? style, and his face looked like you. It freaked me out. And then yeah. you're not here. You Remember I, told mustache, you, I think so. I told you guys, yeah, like, yeah. my friend, my yoga, my yoga friend over here is a lot. I like, I would love to put you guys together because uh, we could blow some minds. They think you're twin brothers or something. You know? <laughs> Couple doppelgangers out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, SB, I want to comment on, thank you for going through all that. And that's interesting. Yeah, for and sure. Also interesting that uh, – there was a comment in the chat that masonry and Scientology teaches something like this as well, which doesn't surprise me really, because it'd no. be a good way to get people invested in your cult if you're right. able to help them work through emotional problems. So, but uh, what you, what you talked about is really interesting in the sense of how I experience people's chakra energy doing the process that I do with the tuning forks mm -hmm. that for example, 
a, a chakra with no energy or full blockage, it's like that apathy thing. It's the lowest right. level. They don't feel anything. But if it's low energy, I'll just use the sacral chakra, for example. Uh-huh. Sacral chakra, totally blocked. You don't really feel much in your body. It's kind of like being numbed out. But a sacral chakra at low energy, you feel pain. You're in pain. But a sacral right. chakra in full energy, it feels pleasurable to be in your body. So that's right. like we're trying to just move up that scale. Yeah, I see. I've I've meant to to uh, get on a, a private call with you sometime just to compare these things because I think they probably naturally go together. And I've imagined a process where we could do a group session um, where you do the sound healing and I talk through a group release at the same time. I don't think we're there yet, but I've already had that epiphany that like we could uh, combine modalities and get oh, something yeah. pretty far out because it would work because you're already adjusting. I mean, people, you got to try it. Just go back to Chance's YouTube from the first of the year or go on his rock fin for the Colleen and Lux thing and just listen through uh, the, 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 the sound healing session. Um, you know, ideally, if you can find some place to at least be in a reasonably peaceful setting, you know, even if you, I've done it while I'm doing housework and it still works, but if you can go lay flat on your back in the backyard on a blanket, you will absolutely feel and involve yourself in something that can't really be articulated in language. You're not going to understand what it is. It has to be done. It has to be experienced. It's experiential, you know, and really the release work is the same, you know. Absolutely, man. Like This is that Voltron shit, man. (laughs) It is. Our powers combined. We could do this. We could do some pretty cool shit, man. All right, Jen shared this gift. This is Martin right now. Da dun Hell yeah. Yeah, I noticed the red the red on the head immediately, like, hey, what's up with that? But just came back from uh doing something fun, right? Didn't what? shave your head too, did you? <laughs> oh you did. Yeah. Wow. He did. He did. Look at the you. summer summer look. Looking good. Exactly. I'm- I'm uh, reducing re- resistance. Yeah. I was well, running. A lot, you know, there's something to be said for that. You know, I, I used to shave my head uh, sometimes when I would hit a certain emotional or milestone type of a point. I would just feel this strong urge to shave my head. And then um, probably three or four years ago now, I said, you know, I want my power back. So I grew my hair out all along. And I do feel like like I've regained some aspect of myself that was missing. But I also know because of past experience that it might come the day when this stuff has to go again, where I have to hit the reset, you know, like if somebody dies a lot of the time, that'll happen, you know, and it's a traditional thing. If you enter the ashram, you got to shave your head. And if you enter the army, you got to shave your head, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So, right. Yeah. I actually did some, uh, a little divination with, I have these hematite magnets. They're oval. Uh-huh. I've kind of figured out a way to get him to talk to me, right? And I, I said, well, will this reduce my my uh, clairvoyant or uh, intuitive abilities? And it said, yes. <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm getting uh, – what am I getting back? I, I asked another question that was, uh, well – will I be more uh, agreeable or, you know, will people see me in a better light? And it said, yes, again. So. Right. There's something to it. 
Well, you're a handsome man, that's for sure. I, I like the idea that the long hair gives you more sensitivity to the world and the bald move is like more inward. Yeah, I think that that oh, seems yeah. to make sense. That makes you know? sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, I know that there's... It feels like antennas. They feel like little... Right. Totally. I did yeah, that. I mean, I've always had a pointy beard. I, w- I don't know what I would do to round this off. So there's something about my pointy beard that seems... Like, it's not just an aesthetic preference. There's something about my head being this shape that has something to do with how I identify in the body, you know? I used to split it in two, like Dimebag Daryl, like this. Oh, yeah. Did you did you ever put beads in it? Like, uh, or rope Oh, yeah. Like, I used to braid it, it, put some red dye in it, you know? Yeah, sweet action. And, you know, as a beard wearer, what really cracks me up is how we all know that yawning is contagious. But very seldom do people recognize that seeing another fella brush his beard will trigger you to want to brush your beard. Absolutely. <laughs> it's highly contagious. Right. It's- and so Martin's in that position right now. He goes like this, and it's that really rough, sandpapery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get myself doing oh, it's not there yeah. anymore <laughs> when I first cut my long hair for years I mean maybe it wasn't for years but for months at least I would still flip my braid out of my collar whenever I put my coat or shirt on and I'd be like well, what am I doing you know what's going on there's nothing there man what are you doing you know but my hair is just long enough again that I can actually wear it in a braid again so to me that's full circle like it's like I can braid it all the way down to here and uh but I like the man bun, you know. I'm pretty happy with the man bun. You're rocking quite the hat there. Yeah, yeah, I like a Now this is I wore a hat similar to this on the one and one broadcast and I thought it was this one and then I found this one I was like, "Oh, I got two of these things." And my buddy Johnny who was in the wheelchair gave me that belt. That's a like a kid-sized oh, cool. Indian belt to put on there. And I had this uh, magnet on there, and I just had the feeling in the middle of the broadcast to pull it off of there. So this is a bracelet or a necklace, but it's magnetic, so you can see how it grabs back a hold of itself there. So it just like so I had that on there too, but I just had a feeling to put it on my left wrist for some reason. That's cool. Yeah, I like this thing a lot. I'd like to make I'd like to make some or, or commission somebody to make more of these. One that's, that that's got cool. every every fifteenth bead says interverse or something like that, you know. Oh, that'd be cool. But you could get one where you could get the. We could make charm bracelets where you can get the interverse bead, and you can get the one on one bead, and you get the super rare RX only picture show bead, and you get the weaving spiders bead. And oh you yeah, we can get the the Kaylee Bracana bead. You that's know, a brilliant idea. That's I'm a great it. idea. We could print them off at uh, 3D printer style, customized. Yeah. Because one of the ideas I have with all these little weird faces I've been making on the on the flow state is um I've got some clear acrylic, and I did one. Let's see if uh, now I didn't put a bead in here, but um this is my like very first experiment. So this is some flowers, some just like dried flowers, and poured into a diamond shape. Trying to see where my camera can see, and it, it didn't really come out right because I'm not good at it yet. So I got some bubbles at the top, and uh, I didn't get my mixture quite right. So it took it a while to harden up, so it's deformed. But I was thinking to put those faces inside of here, and then I got a rock tumbler for cheap off of Facebook Marketplace, and I'm gonna look it up. I'm sure people tumble these clear acrylic so that it just makes it look like a rock, you know. So the little scary weird 
clay clay face will be in there and then polish it up so that it like inside of a clear piece of plastic. I'm excited to try that and see what I get, you know. Oh, but we yeah. could do that too. We could make the beads like that. So we print off the interverse and then encase it in plastic and make it glow or like make it so that if you yell really loud, it flashes real dim light or maybe that's too far. <laughs> right. Yeah. Put, uh, <laughs> put radioactive materials in it. What is that stuff yeah. called? Oh, um, t- titrium. T- uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a, there's an element that you can have. It's a, it's basically. Thorium. There we go. Thorium. Thorium. Yeah. 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 It's basically a, a radioactive isotope in a rod that you can wear around your neck. And it is cool, man. I mean, that thing will glow for centuries, I guess. I mean, I have friends that have had those like for decades and it still lights up at, at night, you know? Yeah, and Jim, Jim had some similar stuff uh, that they use for, I think they use for gun sights and what they put in a wristwatch that glows. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, Jim had some. Like, it's hard to get now, I think. Back in the day, you could get it more easily. Oh, really? Oh, they're making it harder, huh? Of course, man. That's, I mean, that's just the rules of the game, right? They got to make it more and more difficult. You were talking about trees, and you guys made me think about this one tree when I was in Costa Rica that I had a really good experience with, and I was trying to find a picture of it so I could show you. I was going to drop it in the uh, interverse uh, or the the call-in. I highly recommend going to Costa Rica if anybody gets a chance. Hey, so I know that probably some people are already keen to this, but can you give us the rundown for those that don't know about it yet on the, the new YouTube channel for the spiders? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, we've got some trolley individual uh, that follows us around and, and adds a lot of false uh, strikes and stuff. So when that happens to the to the traditional uh, Weaving Spiders channel, um, what Jim did was preventatively and proactively went and made a new channel so that you don't end up with enough strikes to actually lose the channel or get it suspended and have to go through the whole process I went through with my personal channel. And so uh, the current channel is called Weaving Spiders Webs. And let me let me type that in and make sure that's right. I'm pretty sure. No, it's right. I just put it in. I just dropped the link in the chats for everybody. And so please, um, if you're not currently subscribed to the current Weaving Spiders Web's channel, please join us over there. And please, uh, if you don't mind, make a proactive effort and send it off to people that you know would want to subscribe. But maybe they're subscribed to the old channel or they don't know about this whole process of change. Because obviously we want to run the subscription up as, as high as we can get it. And right now, I think it's still under 200 subs. And Dude, um, it's hilarious yeah. because clearly some people are going there and watching the streams and not remembering to also sub because they yeah, think they've already subbed because the new episode has got 3,300 views and <laughs> got 180 subs. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be that the subs are being suppressed too. You know, oh, it could, it could be, be that we actually have 700 subs and it just doesn't show yet, you know. Well, there's a five-hour, five, a five-hour, 55-minute stream with Emily Moyer joining the team and wow it was a good time it was a blast literally a blast like he blasted us off into outer space that was a good one perfect man that that's what uh chance and i kept texting each other back and forth i'm like dude this is perfect this is getting good this is getting perfect (laughs) like so setting me up for that uh (laughs) like that experience man i would love to hear more of what you think about that sean 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Speaking of, should we like show some of I your videos? Oh, I okay. would love to. Yeah. Now, do you want me to pull them up? Oh, yeah. You, you can pull them up because you can probably c- control it better than I could. All right. Start to give us a bit of a. I wanted to do this here too, even though you showed this on the weave because those are, you know, five and a half, six hour videos, a lot to go through to try to find where that's at. And probably some people. Oh, no, we should definitely show. There. So. Yeah, I so want to, I want to expose the audience to this you too. Were out for a walk in the desert, and then what happened? <laughs> yeah, give us the the story from the beginning with the the hot dog tree and everything. Right. So I, uh, my wife and I, we took our our nightly walk, as, and you want to do it later. Of course, this is Tucson, so the hotter it gets, the the later you're going to go. But we try to catch. We've been trying to catch the sunset, right? And so, um, because the owls will, uh, I've noticed they follow me around the desert on my walks in the desert. So I wanted her to experience the same thing. And, um, so we start walking out there and it, and we just around the corner from our house, there's a tree with five hot dogs stuck in it. And we walk, she walks by first and, and I stop. I'm like, Hey, what the hell? Like, look at this. And it was like enough, one of those things out of the ordinary, just enough to get your attention and go, Hey, weird thing, weird thing in your purview. Should probably take a look. Like, I don't know if there were kids like messing around or, you know, feeding some kid thought they'd be feeding uh, uh, the coyotes or something. I don't know. But um any rate, hot dog tree. So we go start walking around. Do you have them? Do you have the, any of the pictures pulled up, Chance? Or I can pull up. I don't have the hot dog want. tree if you want to get that, if that's worth showing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's weird. Well, know, it was like really... a bush, like a pretty sparse bush with four or five hot dogs all shoved onto the branches. So it kind of looked like like it was, it was growing hot dogs, you know, and it wasn't big and tall and it was, it was just like a pretty average size shrubbery, a shrubbery. It was a, a shrubbery, shrubbery hot dogs. <laughs> a shrubbery of hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm converting those uh, videos to MP4 real quick so that it, they can share with sound and look as best possible. So yeah. we just keep going while I set that up. You I got a fast that, was your, that was your first hint that something was wonky. <laughs> dude yeah and i didn't even yeah and it was honestly preferences is this wait no i don't want to share my preferences what am i doing stupid chrome <laughs> um what there we go window photos okay here we go can you guys see this? You can't see this, can you? It's not shared yet, but when you when it whenever you give it the go ahead, then I can pull it up. Okay. Is it on there now? You can see here here's the hot dog tree. You're not sharing screen right. yet, sir. And come on, yeah. It's not showing me. Oh, anyway. It's okay. I think I might be able to find it. it. 
We'll just keep might, going. You might have to click on the picture. No, I found it. Here we go. I'm on it. I'm on it. Sorry for being a bad host. Oh, I could have no. done this in two seconds. <laughs> That's it's it. The hot dog tree. The hot dog tree. So we see this. Like, okay, whatever is happening here is probably something we should pay attention to. So, again, the owls, after a couple, you know, we're walking and talking and processing, you know, getting that healthy dialogue out. So we're like kind of in that space where you're actually being vulnerable with somebody and like really healing some shit, you know, and the owls show up and one of the big female that's been following me around the around the neighborhood, she comes zooming up like right into these trees because I could hear her uh, just after maybe like, I don't know, 30 yards from the, the hot dog tree, you could hear the the hoots because it's starting to get right then starting to get darker. And so the big female swoops up and definitely, you know, makes herself known. Hey guys, I'm here. And so I tell my wife, I'm like, go ask her to come closer to follow us. And she will. And she did. And she, and the female came closer and just as she did that, my wife goes, well, where's your mail? And here comes the mail. Sweep it up on the other tree. Nice. And so I asked them, you know, if you guys want, you can follow us, follow us home. And we start walking and they just fall. Oh, lost you. Yeah, but frozen if you can still hear us, Gordy. He'll be back. He does that sometimes. It's just a weird Gordy thing. I love I love that the seventh hermetic principle was observed. She asked, Where where's Hubby? Yeah. He's back. I'm back. Okay. Sorry guys. So um yeah, so the the but because the owls were following us, it made us kind of go in a different direction. Because of that, we went around this store and which brought our attention to a road going East, which is exactly where we, my wife, she starts walking that way. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, look, she's pointing up in the sky. And these, these lights are just going zip, 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 kind of all over the place. And um, one is going east and west. One is going north and south, like zipping across the, the highway that's a little ways down. Um, but almost horizon to horizon. It's like booking, man. And uh, go. What's that? Oh, sorry. It mutes us whenever I pull up the video. So uh, if you unmute yourself manually, you'll be able to talk again. But I showed the first clip there. Yeah. So this is where we're just starting to see them, I think. It's slowing down. It's and. It stopped. It just. Yeah, so I love your wife's commentary. It's so organic and good. You know, she's really observing. You can tell she's super active in her observation of it. Yeah, she, you know, you you had mentioned how you can tell how we're friends. Like this is yeah. really like set off like this new kind of love of going out and and yeah, down on the streets we call it being in love, love. Yeah, man. Yeah, right. The real, the real shit. People are in love, love. 
Yeah. <laughs> 30 it's years good. of experience talking, you know. So, yeah, we need to try this again so that the longer clip so people can kind of see the light that you captured in the sky here. Yeah. So when I hit it, if yeah. anyone wants to talk over this, they need to unmute because okay. it'll auto mute people whenever it starts. So here we go. It stopped in midair. It's going backwards. Oh my God. It's not record. Is this recording? Fuck. I hope this is recording. It's going backwards. It's going backwards. That other one is zipping left and Holy right. Shit, that just came up saw us and went backwards. <laughs> I didn't know if it hey, was. guys, guys, wow, I am telling you. I've been There's something StreamYard does where it makes the video time. shares way darker. The real video clip is not so dark. I'm going to forward these to the Vibin Colin Rant too, or a Vibrant Colin Line too. Yeah, do that. It's and it's hard. Like, I mean, I am. I wish the footage was better, but you know, it it's wasn't pretty about good the footage. footage. It was about the experience, you know, and it was. Um, oh, there that goes a little better. Okay, yeah. there we go. There yeah. they are. So. Is that two or three? Oh, another one just showed up. Holy crap. There there was a total of four. Well, the other one went there. Wow. There's another one. Like, there's three here. Like, one had just gone out. That one stopped again. Trees. It's going to disappear. It's disappearing. It's going to disappear. Right so I did that because I was... My wife was like into the moment. She started walking into the road. Guys, this is whole. And I'm like, hey, hey, you know, trying to get her from. I think so. Run over. I was just. I just she's watching the UFOs, I, and she got a much better look of it than I did. Wait, there's the, there's the other one. There's an, there they are. And they were going green, red, and, and white. There's another one. There's another one up. North of it. Oh, what? Did any of the cars stop and look? No. No. Nobody you stopped. said one guy almost hit you guys. Well, that's what drew our attention to it. Um, what was weird is when I passed that dirt lot, I didn't see any cars there. And you'd, you would have to come from the parking lot in order to get into that dirt lot that almost kind of ran us over because we were on a this dirt um, path. You know, yeah, and I would have—I thought I would have seen a car there, and this car came out of like literally out of nowhere, right? And so. Almost hit us, which got us to look down the road at what was going on in the sky. So it was—it's this weird. There's so many aspects of this that have like a traditional UFO, uh, you know, and I'm not big on the UFO scene, so but like. The idea that there's a screen memory or a, not a screen memory, but like some kind of like the owls are leading you to it. Sometimes people will see a huge owl standing on the side of the road or in, or in the forest before they have an experience. And the car almost hit you and it seems anomalous that it doesn't make any sense. So the car was almost triggering the situation or encouraging you guys to to notice or something. Yeah, man, I there's. And plus, with your history, it makes me highly paranoid and suspicious of the whole thing anyway. Because you, <laughs> your story is off the chart, man. Like, I remember when we first got to know each other and you sent me your interview with Lindsay. I mean, my jaw just dropped. I was like, what? Like, this guy's got, like, the whole thing going on. Like, aliens at the foot of the bed, uh, finding weird stuff inside your head and down the list, you know, like, off the chart. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is why I talk to you guys. Like, because like, you know, you talk to anybody else like this in your life, you know, they will think you are mad. Yeah, they think Absolutely. you're cuckoo. But this is the you guys are the only people that have as weird lives as I do. Like Lindsay, maybe. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, for sure. Like she's the first one. I was like, "Yeah, that's that sounds just as weird as me." Um, you want to do the third one? It's longer. We can yes, talk over. That one, Is that one a good one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, what I don't get is why it needs to put us. <laughs> why it pops up like this? It's a different way of doing it. Yeah, if anyone wants to comment, they just got to make sure they unmute themselves. The one on the right is the little one on the right is that is one that it came over us and then went back like it came almost directly above us and then went back and just sat right above those trees. Is this some blue beam shit? Like they're showing themselves. This is this is a show. Like, honey, that. That Your button. commentary. Is this a blue yeah, beam shit? Is a show? This shit is crazy. So for anyone out there that's like, these might be drones or they're not aliens. I don't think we're making any aliens claims here, right? No. Yeah. 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 That thing went back and went back and coming back. Coming back. I know. That was that was yeah, so we're not making specific claims, right? But they are unidentified torsion flying way. objects, and that means literally yeah, what it yeah, means, this unidentified. Is, this is torsion wave stuff. Because he went back. Yeah, I am making zero claims of anything. Oh, shit, I, I am just See, witnessing and I, showing you guys. You know, this is how... I don't know, man. Um, I, I just heard an interview with one of our kind of uh, peripheral types in our podcast communities that were doing a, a story on somebody that wrote a book on the Mothman prophecies and all those weird synchronicity things. Like it sounds like this. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, that's what I mean. That a lot of the time this, uh, this ends up being the predecessor to a whole bunch more stuff, you know? Well, okay. So when I start, started getting part of, the weirdness of the story is when I started getting really close with the owls, I started posting pictures of them on whatever social media I had. I think it was just Facebook at the time. And um, somebody had asked me just out of the blue, like, and it was on one of those um, like uh, wildlife of the Southwest Facebook page or something like that. It wasn't like, one of our communities, because the only only one I was ever in was all the time was Eyes Open and um, THC. Right. So it, it could have been one of those, but but I don't think so because I wasn't showing the pictures. I was showing those on wildlife things. And I wasn't really putting the two magical connection with the owls yet. And this somebody early on goes, were you in some sort of, did you get over some sort of trauma just recently? I'm like, what? And they said, well, do you think you might be having a shamanic initiation? 
And I was like, that was like the furthest thing from my mind. Right. Until that seed planted. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that you were now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, right? so grateful for you to share it all with us, Gordy. I can't tell you how enlightening and uh, there's such a great feeling of peace of just being on Instagram and I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm looking at art and here comes owl data across the line. You know, I'm getting an update on baby owls leaving the nest on baby owls have left the nest and now they're they're starting to divide up and go find where they're going to live. I don't remember what you call it when they break away. There's a name for it. Fledging, yeah, yeah, and the fledglings—they're uh, actually branching right now. They're—they call them branchers because they're—they'll choose one branch to stay for a while. But I think they're pretty much moving on. They're getting big, yeah, and, and dangerous. Does it make you sad? Yeah, a little bit, dude. I knew, <laughs> like, for sure, man. I—I I kept thinking, like, I wonder if this is like the last, right. The last litter, uh, you know, the last clutch I have with these owls. But, I mean, they follow me everywhere. They were at my mom's house last night. Nice. I was, I was doing the um, <laughs> I was doing the uh, conspiratorium group. And as we're talking, we're going over. I can't remember. We were talking about this stuff, really. And um, as we're talking, I get a text from my mom saying, did you bring the owls here? <laughs> and she, <laughs> she sends so me this, this uh, text, and I'm going to show it on my phone just like we do because it's yeah, yeah. Is this right. the way we do? It wouldn't be Gordy Two Shoes if he didn't hold his smartphone up to the screen, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice, wow, dude! Wow, yeah. Gordy. Gorgeous owl. Isn't, this, isn't that great? Look at that face. Because <laughs> I remember the first story. Yeah. They're like, yes, that's me. Thank you for taking my picture. Here I am. Because yeah, I remember the first story you told me uh, or told in the group was that um, you had gone to work. So, so for people that don't know, Gordy started a, a meditation practice under a tree at work. And that's when this all started off. Like he needed that to make that space sacred. And then the owls pretty much like added him to their, to their parliament, you know, to their group, to the fam. And, um, but then you said you had to come to work one day and uh, you couldn't go out to the tree. And so that when you got home, the owls had come and landed on your roof of your house and the roof of the neighbor's house. Like, bro, what are you doing? You didn't (laughs) come see us. We got to come to your house now, man. We had an appointment. Yeah, we yeah. Appointment, this sir. isn't shit you can skip, bro. Yeah, exactly. We can you missed your leg. Did you even do legs, bro? You didn't meditate at all, bro. That's right. Oh, bro. Dude, I, I did legs day for the first time in like half a year, and I was basically a cripple for five days. <laughs> <laughs> no, like on day three, I remembered that I have a sonic slider weighted tuning fork, and I did that on my legs, and uh, that then I could walk better. But I was I was limping. Now, when was that? Don't don't skip legs day. Uh, I did yeah. I did the legs day like last Saturday. 
It's 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 like a it's a meme for a reason because it's so easy to skip legs. Because yeah, you, you have this, the apocalypse and you got no cardio and you can't run. Yeah. Right. No, it's definitely not a good idea to skip legs, but the the psychology of the brain being like it's okay to skip it is like I'd say it's like louder by twenty five percent volume the internal voice. Like there's a greater influence for the internal laziness to be like we really don't have to do it every time. <laughs> yeah, the chicks aren't even looking at your legs, bro. Yeah, yeah. But to <laughs> me, that's the thing that always encouraged me to do it way back in the day when I would uh, when I'd be in the gym more was uh, you'd see guys that they completely skip leg days all the time and they look funny. They look like a cartoon because their legs are all spindly and thin and they're all yoked up. You know, they're yeah. pretty up on the top, but they, they look like cartoon characters. Like, oh, I can't do that. So I've got a I've got a graphic I put together today I want to share with everybody. Uh, actually, I'm thinking about this yesterday. This is wild. the The more I meditate on the story of Perseus and Medusa and its dynamics in the sky clock, the more I am able to see it ritualized in our culture. In the craziest way. And SB, I know you're going to dig this one, man. Yeah, I was trying to read it on the screen. Frank Church, that's right where uh, that's right where I'm at. Yeah. Frank Church did all of his stuff here in Idaho. And there's a place. If you, Now, I'll tell you guys a real quick story before we carry on, uh, Slick. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Years ago, me and my buddy in the wheelchair, Johnny, you know, rest in peace, Johnny. Uh, we used to come over here to Boise to take care of business. But sometimes we would come over here and get together with the... Uh, the rehabilitative therapy people. And so one time me and Johnny and at least four or five other groups, all these disabled people in wheelchairs, you know, with broken necks, spinal cord injuries, some kind of severe disability like MS, whatever we, uh, we came and we shoved them all up inside of uh, propeller planes and put all their equipment in the planes. And we flew into the Frank church wilderness of no return. That's what it's called. And so, so It was amazing, dude. Like, so it was so cool. And we were, we were actually testing an off-road wheelchair device that my friend had invented called the rough roller. And so we were out there with a purpose, but, uh, but yeah, Frank church wilderness of no return. You guys can look that up on the map, you know? Yeah. Man, I knew Like I always know that, uh, Sean's never going to disappoint with the stories, man. <laughs> like when he starts on with a story, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, that is a trip and a half. Dude, it is so nerve-wracking to put all these severely disabled people in propeller planes. Because, okay, so there's a mountain range. There's a mountain range, and, like, and so there's, I don't know if there's as many as there used to be, but there used to be grass runways all over the place up here. And all these little pilots, they're like outlaws, you know. They're flying around in their little tiny airplanes and they just have all these little <laughs> runways they can land on and hang out. And so you come over the mountains and mountains for days and then you come in to land and it's like you just drop out of the sky and there's a brass runway, you know, and you're in an airplane with a guy that's already got a broken neck. So you're thinking, man, I hope they don't mess this up because one of us is already almost dead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when when we flew out, there was some guys that were there that weren't part of our group and they had fast little old fashioned planes. So they'd, they'd hit the runway and they'd just pull up on the stick and they just go, Rrr! 
them and they go straight up in the air almost. I don't remember what the name of the plane was, but the ones that we were in, like you had to get it just right. And they'd pull up and pull up and gain altitude and gain altitude. And it, it looked like you're just barely missing the top of the mountain range by a few feet. Now, obviously it was a lot more than a few feet, but from a distance, it was like nerve wracking. Like you might have to turn back if you didn't get enough altitude because you're so close to barely making it over that first peak to get you out of the valley. It was a trip, dude. But Frank Church, people should look up Frank Church and why the mountains are named after him. He's really the first one to to try to put a big fight against the government surveillance state and make some headway. You know, he he had hearings in the government confronting them about their surveillance bullshit way back in the day. It's got to be in the 60s. I haven't looked it up for a long time. Frank Church. Yeah. Well, that, I actually that, met his niece, his great niece. Like, uh, I worked with her temporarily. She she was kind of a weird girl, but I remember. Well, so that, that picture was from the church committee hearing in 1975. And this is when a lot of things were revealed. This was a huge revelation that a lot of people have kind of forgotten and you know, they tell, they put these things out in the open and people just forgive and forget and move on. They just don't look back. Well, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. This image in particular where Frank Church is holding up the uh, heart attack gun. This is the, an iconic moment mm-hmm. in American history right here. And so uh, what really hit me was the fact that heart attack gun is the H-A-G, and that is the hag. And now this really hits a note for me, because I happen to know that Medusa, the hag, she is an echidna. She is mythologically related to the echidna, which means she's part echinoderm, which means that all of the seashell poisoning, all of the shellfish toxins, that they can harvest fall under her dominion. So having Frank Church, whose name Church translates to Circe. This is Circe in Kirka. And Circe is a mythological uh, goddess, uh, witch who lived on an island like Medusa. She had mastery of herbs and toxins and poisons. Uh, and she is often depicted holding up some magical device, uh, a magical wand that is an implement for uh, bestowing these toxins onto unwanted characters. And so Frank Church is, uh, Frank means foreigner. So this is the foreigner, Circe, holding aloft the heart attack gun, holding aloft. And that's what really triggered me. Now I'm thinking even more about Perseus holding aloft the hag, hmm. the head of the Gorgon, H-A-G, the hideous ass Gorgon head, right? <laughs> and so, well, yeah, and that's still the heart attack gun, right? It'll turn you to stone, you know? You got it. Yep. So all of this, uh, Church is Circe, the... Uh, who has mastery over this wand or this stick or this weapon that will paralyze men or kill them with a a toxin that is from an echinoderm that is under the dominion of Medusa. And now chance, will you flip to the next, the next one? This is a trip y'all. So then I took it to the next level. 
because it really was like kind of pulling at me. So I took the gematria for the word. So this is the sentence we're looking at really close here. Senator Frank Kierke of the left-hand path holds aloft the heart attack gun during a public hearing. So I took the word aloft because he's holding it aloft. That's the one that really got me. And I put the gematria, gematria out on all the ciphers, full ciphers. And it's almost, it's an 80% match. It's all of the root numbers of the word aloft in about 80%, maybe 90% of these ciphers is a perfect match to the name Medusa. So the now, this, the sentence reads different because the word aloft is gematrologically identical to the word Medusa. Now we read the sentence. Senator Foreign Kirka on the left, holds Medusa the hag during a public hearing. And that just blew my mind because of this this whole aspect of, uh, you know, uh, serpents in the water, whatever, serpent poison, this whole thing is, uh, it has all the ingredients all over again of a revelation of the method. And uh, just putting it out there in the public so everybody can say, oh, that's interesting. But it all has perfect correspondence to that number 19 sun card in that position there in Aries where Perseus is holding Medusa's head. So, yeah, wow. that was a revelation I thought I'd share with everybody today. <clears throat> that's the next that's level. Cool. It's on my mind. I'm going to be talking to David Whitehead again soon. And he's really gone deep into the uh, snake venom thing, which I was really reluctant about at first. But Me too. Man, such a symbolic match to everything that the hospitaliers and Templars and the cult of Ophiolatry has been up to forever. Uh, a- now I'm thinking twice about it because, you know, they give back to that question of false dichotomies. They give you the whole like germ theory, terrain theory, germ theory, terrain theory. But what about option C? You're fucking poisoned. And isn't poison always been the, the move with pharmacia sorcery anyway? Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a story from, uh, there's an interesting book where um, Alexander Dumas rewrote, uh, like he wrote a dramatized version of the Medicis when they bribed their way into the seat of the Pope. And uh, one of the servants misunderstood. He was told, don't ever serve that wine in the cabinet over there. That's the Pope's special wine because it was poison. Like they told in, in the story, they told how they would take and hang a pig upside down or a bull and they would poison it with a snake to death and they would collect all the foam from it dying. And then reduce that down, and that would be the poison to use. That's how you would generate poison, by collecting the poisoned wow. animal. And so wow. that's what that wine had in it. So then the Pope and his main son, Caesar Borgia, no, yeah, not Medici's, Borgias, pardon me. Uh, they're like up on the mountain talking to somebody, like they're trying to run some kind of a little scam or like muscle or pressure somebody. So it's the Pope and uh, Caesar Borgia, and they send for wine, and the servant absentmindedly brings them the poison wine. And so I think it kills the Pope, 
and uh, Caesar Borgia lives, but they end up like the ritual in the book. They say that they take a bull and string it on its back inside the chamber, inside the room. They string it on its back with its legs pulled to the corners of the room and they gut it and then let the blood fill it up. And then they would like baptize and bathe Caesar Borgia in there over and over again. Like he did it with five different bulls or something like that, trying to absorb the poison out of his body, you know. That's a trip. I, I, I'd have to go look. It was on uh, LibriVox that I found it because I listened to everything by Alexander Dumas that was on there. And, uh, I, and that, dude, was, that was one of the last things, you know, like a dramatization of the alleged real life stories, you know. Yeah. Um, you know what I learned from of, about the Borgias was, uh, of all places, was Marx Brothers. Do you remember, I think it's a duck soup and there's a line in it where Chico is talking about uh, poisoning somebody and wine. And he says, who do you think I am? Or who do you think I am? uh, Lucretia Borgia. And I never, I was like, who the hell? Oh, nice. I never understood that until like many years later, going to community college, going, oh, right. Yeah. Right. Like uh, these things used to be in our consciousness, I guess. You know, that was, that was, Marx Brothers was as mainstream as you could get in the 20s. Yeah. 30s, you know? Now they've they've realized that instead of trying to manage the the narrative, a lot of the stuff they just omit now. It used to be that we were all somewhat savvy and privy to all of the little rumors and stories and who the rich people were and who was vying for power, the church versus the state and all that stuff. But it seems like now they just they they really like this dumb it dumb it down strategy better where, you know, you just think about Kim Kardashian or whatever and you don't actually and they still give you some figureheads, you know. They put Klaus Schwab out here in his Saturnian getup to make him look like uh, like he's the evil Jetsons or something, you know. Doesn't he look like Zod? From yeah, Superman yeah. Too? Kneel before Zod. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! No, Zod. <laughs> there he is. There's so Zod. weird. Fucking you look so out. cringe, bro. Take it off. You look hella cringe. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's got that uh, Manos has, Hands of Fate. Uh, yeah. Uh, seven, seven <laughs> satanic cults. Uh, that's shitty. the true horseshoe theory is that, you know, between black metal coming from, uh, from the far reaches of uh, Northern Europe and the highest up supposed elites of uh, government, uh, governmental organizations that the horseshoe comes around and they both end up looking and acting the same, you know, they want to to dominate the world with the power of the devil himself. (laughs) (laughs) The Ouroboros. You know, that guy's wife doesn't love him because she would tell him, you look dumb. You got to choose a different (laughs) guest. You look dumb. You're not going out there with this, all right? You're not going to wear it. You guys are wearing that? Dude, I have gotten sent back to the house for wearing black socks. Yeah. If your I wife mean, lets you check you on, you're like, you're not going to wear that. I'm not going out with uh-uh. you. 
You're not coming out here with that. And if your whole bowling team is using a bad shirt, that more than one wife will get in on it and be like, you guys can't wear pink. You're going to look stupid. Don't choose that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not cool. Chance, can you pick up, do a a Google search for uh, Dr. Zayas from, from, uh, how do I spell that? Z-A-I-U-S, I think. Yeah. Okay, hold on. But <laughs> Martin, I definitely want to hear you chiming in more because um, I love that you're here. But I want to ask to have a mute when not actively speaking, but I want you yeah, to speak yeah. more just because there's a little bit of background noise from something in your room there. And then the other thing is we have uh, a new caller who's never called in before, but has been an amazing contributor into our chats for like months. So everybody welcome Cody. Oh, sweet. What's up? Hey. What's happening? Thanks for joining. Hey, buddy! Welcome. Happy to put a face and a voice to the uh, the chat handle. What's up, dude? Yeah, man. What's up? Good to see you guys. Same. Same, buddy. Thanks Where for jumping you from? So, what tempted you? What tempted you to jump in? Well, um, there was a couple weeks back that there was some uh, hint at column pillar rod symbolism and i just have a i have i have some information on that that i feel like you guys would find intriguing yeah we're down yeah yeah lay it on us you left us a big voicemail in the call-in line but i was like that would be more fun if we could do this interactively (laughs) so i really appreciate you coming on with us yeah, no, thank you for allowing me on. This is super cool. Um, but yeah, so essentially, from my research, I've tied in that the rod symbolism or the blue beam, and also it kind of ties into the Project Blue Beam stuff, which is interesting. But uh, the the beam, the pillar, the columns, it all ties into a root word that is the tet. And the Tet is uh, comes from Paleo Hebrew in a way, but it's the symbol is a circle with an X, and it kind of resembles the the non-moving mover, right? The it's the one at the center. It's the torsion point. It's the actual point of convergence from the centripetal convergence and the centrifugal divergence of the yeah. toroidal field. And that essentially, what is it, what it is saying is that's the tree of life. Like that's the center tree. And so that's where the tree symbolism comes from. And as well as the Tet, it also in ways refers to the Pog, which is Proto-Indo-European. And the Pog is like a tent peg, which almost refers to like the root that is connecting the earth to the sky. And when you look at the symbol, it's like literally like a root. It's kind of like a Y, but it, it flares out at the top like a peg, you know, like it's hitting the electromagnetic field above or the firmament, whatever anyone, anyone wants to call it. And it spreads out. And that also kind of refers to the gamel. And the gamel is something that people don't really think about with the G that's in the center of the Freemason compass. And the gamel, that is a protrusion 
And it also kind of refers to like an angle of a plane. So also refers to the pyramid, which is the fire amid. Fire amid is fire within. Amid is within. Fire is fire. And so that's the oxygen and the hydrogen that is essentially entering into the earth in cyclical motion of the toroidal field. And that that's what builds up in the earth over a cyclical amount of time. And then the earth needs to release the fire. It's talked about in scripture and other things, you know, not just Bible, but I mean, uh, Vedic, it goes back to Sumerian, all sorts of things. Any scripture you want to look at, it talks about how the fire of the earth has to be released back up into equilibrium with the sky. So it goes into flux. And that's what's a, that's what a polarity or a pole shift is a polarity shift where the electromagnetic fl- uh, uh, poles basically go into flux and that sends the fire within the earth back up. So like the radiation and gravitation of the electromagnetic field is essentially what would create a cold plasma oxygen and hydrogen enriched blue beam that would shoot up to the to the sky above which essentially would enrich our atmosphere again and like and this is the crazy thing this is something that's been talked about over and over in mythologies and this kind of ties into in cycles when the sky turns red and the plasma in the sky which hydrogen which is the main element in our sky when it fluoresces it's like a magenta or a red it's in the red spectrum so red to purple and if that was so during cycles if that was to enter into our system the sky like if the sky was to turn red during a polarity shift basically that our sky would be visible essentially because right now our sky is not visible like at night it's dark and during the day it's fluoresced blue but if the polarity shifted and there was a flux the sky would then show itself and so the wheels of our sky that dictate the rotations of the luminaries and as well as the luminaries that we don't see that cause uh you know eclipses and various different things they'd be shown and also luminaries that come into our system over cycles that are in our sky that we don't see very often but they you know during electromagnetic fluxes they become prevalent that's when in our ancient past the skies were said to be red Yes, you know, and this is this like is that. when that would happen, and when the sky would turn red, it would also most likely cause depressurization, and so that depressurization would happen in our sky, and that would open up, and it would almost look like uh, people call it Nibiru now, but it was the Nemesis X object, Nemesis X object, or the dark satellite, or various other names the aiste actually in the oldest names and the aiste was the eye in the sky 
And that's why east is actually not a direction of left or right. Same with west. East is up. And that's why Aiste represents Nemesis X or Nibiru, because that's the depressor depressurization of our sky opening up. And you would then see that it would look like a dark object. And then there would be plasma, red plasma, and it would almost look like Medusa. Like Medusa's hair, snakes, red snakes coming in and her tongue sticking out. It's almost like NASA's symbol, right? Yes. NASA has that red snake tongue. That's right. the red plasma coming from the sky. That nice. they're in the, the whole point of rocket ships is not... I don't really like the whole thing that I think they're testing is not to do anything now. They're trying to get ready for when there's a depressurization and they think they can leave through that hole. And I don't know if that's true, but that's just an idea of mine that Mm -hmm. I think is interesting because where are they really going? Because there's definitely an electromagnetic field that keeps them encapsulated. But if there was a depressurization event, which essentially they hint to in their symbol with the NASA tongue and that red plasma tongue, they know that something opens up at a point. And so it's like they're they're training for it. They're trying to get ready for when they can maybe leave and if they even know or not, you know. That's, yes. a, that's an interesting theory. There's a lot of legs. There's a lot to unpack in that because of uh, the Medusa turning uh, even giants into stone. You know, Perseus uses the head to turn Atlas, who is upholding the firmament, to stone. And now we have, the, you know, Mud Fossil University and these, you know, these theories about entire mountainsides, maybe even entire continents being organic uh, petrified matter was, and so you look at Atlas, so Atlas, ATL, and also Quetzalcoatl. Atl is a key word. ATL nice. it means serpent-like or serpent out of the water, or uh, essentially like a vortex out of the water. So that's that's referring to the blue beam of Atlas. That's the squatter man. Nice, yeah. And, oh, this is for Gordy right here. The squatter man is not just a man. It's not just Atlas or a stick figure holding up the sky. It's actually, so when that happens, the reason that happens is that there's Mount Olympus or Mount Zion, Mount Maru, Rupus Nigra. There's the main pillar. And then there's uh, the pillars of Hercules right? Essentially on either side. And there's other pillars as well. It's not just these three, but there's those main pillars, right? And that makes the legs and those come together and then make the body and that spreads out and then makes the arms holding up the sky. That's the squatter man. But that electromagnetic flux, when that happens, the pressure between the beams of the arms and the legs, there would be two circles on either side. Mm-hmm. And those two circles would look like an owl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's... that's why the owl is the savior. The owl has the etheric knowledge because tat, right. tat is also where there 
ether comes from. And also it's where toth comes from and tehuti, because tehuti and toth are the same thing. And tehuti means tribe, as well as tehute de Danan, which is a northern tribe from back in the day that talked about the same being, same thing. It's all the same thing. It's the TT. They keep using it over and over and over. And yeah, Enoch buddy, the t- and Enki the- are also both and Teuti. Enoch, right. Enki, Toth, Teuti, they're all the same being. They're the same right. being, just re-personified in different languages. It's also, it's the two tablets that Moses is carrying. He's carrying yeah. two tablets. Those are those two, those, uh, the two lights at the hips, at the hips. Yeah, and Moses, it's interesting because Moses, he has the staff with the two serpents, the bronze serpents. And the serpents, that's representing the rod, the pillar. And the thing about Moses is that Moses actually was written about later. And the, the Jews wrote about him. That was a story that was written into the Bible much later. But the reason they well, wrote Moshe it they were means initiate. a cyclical event and the cyclical event they were covering up was the Phoenix event, which actually was signifying to the beams and the rod. And so the Phoenix event is essentially what came through and split the seas, split the Red Sea and caused that vortex motion of the seas. So. People think that Moses was the one that actually had the staff and he was a person and he split the seas, but it's covering up the fact that there's an event that comes 138 year cycle. And this event was what caused the seas to split and what caused the plagues and what caused all these events that happen. And they personified it in Moses. Right. But it's also what they refer to as the day of the Lord that can be seen. Yes. And, is this the the biblical the day of the Lord that is referred to a lot? Yeah, of? yeah. In the in the Zeus the Zeus aspect, that's that lightning bolt. It's it's totally the squatter man, and it and it's come before. It's going to come again. That's why history rhymes. Yeah, yeah it's the reason I also think of to go back all the way to the beginning in the conversation when we we're talking about the release work that the fire from the inside of the earth going out to rejuvenate the sky and the blue beam of all that. The blue is the expression the throat chakra and a lot of the times the energy that is stuck in any of the other chakra regions needs to come out through the throat chakra as a way of being expressed so that the uh, other energy center can rebalance itself or get past its blockage so very yes. interesting you know the earth would maybe follow a similar dynamic and need to do that periodically the way that yeah, the earth needs to release Yes, this totally brings it back to Sean's Sean's work. And a a note that I wrote down when he was talking about engage, I was thinking about the fact that ing means flame. It means fire. And so this squatter man phenomenon was an engagement. It was a fire that is still burning on to this day. And we're sharing the light of it in this conversation right now. Oh, yeah. Nice, Cody, man. Yeah, thanks so much, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to want to go back and listen to that (laughs) again. Plasma recent info. Hell yeah, man. But yeah, man, everything's torsions. I see them everywhere. Everything's a pole and a hole, and like that's all I see now. Yeah. Like once you start start seeing that fractal, talking because we're it's torquing. You're talking. You're vibrating. Right. Yeah. Because everything is you're 
you're literally just causing a hysteresis of the ether. And that's what goes back to that same tet that we're all just influencing within the tet, right? And because the, the tet is that etheric encapsulation, right? And because it's the quintessence, essentially, when you think about it, because ether is the dielectric inertial plane. It is where all existence is. And so that is earth, air, water, fire, and plasma. So it's all things encapsulated. And that's why when you take the six, like when you think about CERN and all these com- all these things, you're taking the six and making the spiral in the 666. Yeah. That's also when you take the nine and make a spiral, it's a spiral in the other way. And that's just because right here, what it's showing, the tet relates to the six, and that's also the vav. Because the vav is the six, and that's the peg or the root. And when you connect three of them together in the trinity, it creates a perfect spiral. And same with the nine. The nine creates a perfect spiral as well. And the six is your pineal, is your pineal. And the nine is the stars, is the S tor, right? The singularity torsion, the stars. That's where the white light and the colorful light is dancing through. And so we're seeing the S tor. And so the six and the nine, our six chakra connects with the star, the nine chakra, which creates the six and the nine, which is the yin and the yang, the viscous Pisces of ourself connecting from our uh, psychophysical to our transcendental body. And that is also our halo, our crown chakra above is what is diffusing the singularity light, right? So the crown chakra diffuses the singularity into the prism, the sevenfold. And that's why it's your seventh chakra, because it diffuses the singularity into the seven colors. And that's what your pineal then takes in. And the eight is the H, which is the ladder between you and the stars, which is the eight, which is the Taurus. It is the Taurus field connecting you to the stars. It's the reciprocating processional hyperboloid, right? (laughs) <laughs> Sometime I got to get into uh, some of the numerical stuff I've recently figured out about Solfeggio that do you, shows the three six nine. You follow Ken Wheeler, Cody? What was that? You follow Ken Wheeler, the magnetism expert? Oh yeah, him? I've I've followed him for a few years now. Yeah, yeah, that's He's what awesome. you're you're to me. You're bringing his work home to the body. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what yeah. he's showing you on the grand scale. It's actually happening in us, you know, all the oh, time. Sure. Yeah, it's it's because he talks about a lot of the grand scale, and that's he talks about the absolute a lot. But the thing about it is, the absolute has its attribute, and the attribute has the ontos. So it's the absolute, the attribute, and the ontos. That is the trinity, and the ontos is manifestation. So everything is from absolute or from source. But there's attributes of that. So everything's an attribute of the absolute because the absolute is the dielectric. The dielectric is the the rest. That's why Christ is the dielectric. It's the rest. It's the inertial 
uh, it's the non-moving mover, but it's inertia and acceleration from mm. Ken Wheeler, essentially. Right. That's probably why rest. the word rest is uh, also a homonym with the word rest, because yeah. the, the, dialect, the, the dialectic is the rest of it. <laughs> there's yeah. an attribute here, and then there's the rest of it. And that's right. why the magnetic is the the and that so there's the rest and then there's the magnetic which is the the magnitude and the uh force and magnitude basically so magnetic there's the dielectric which is the black and the magnetic which is the white but yeah that that brings it into singularity for sure and the thing about it is that it's all encapsulated within ourselves what was the last word you said? The canto? What was that? You said another word. You said absolute attribute in canto? Antos. Antos. So, yeah, antos. And, the yeah, the antos is essentially referring to, uh, it's kind of like the hybrid of. Like, it's within, so everything within the dielectric and magnetic the dielectric and magnetic create the electric and everything that we're experiencing is electromagnetic. It's electric. So we're within the hybrid. And so we are more than just the hybrid of it because we are from the absolute. So we're able to manifest upon the electric. That's why our thoughts are thought, thought. So that relates back to Tet as well, because our thoughts are thought, because our thoughts are etheric. And so your our thoughts all connect us and that essentially oh I kind of lost my thought there. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> man. You're doing great. Uh, it evaporated into the ether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't think I'd heard that word ontos, so I was checking yeah, it out. So ontos, it's Greek. It it comes it, I'm pretty it's Greek. And so it essentially means manifestation of the absolute and attribute. It's it's you, it's your manifestation. It's Essentially, right. the um, in metaphysics, the ontology is the without. It's the alchemy within manifesting without. Is right. Ontology. Yeah. It's it's the the evidence of the Mercury half doing its job. You know. Yes. In uh, in metaphysics, ontology is what deals with the nature of being. Right. Yeah. That's what it made me think of immediately. Ontos. I thought. Well, ontology. And uh, I wasn't uh, trying to give a crappy definition of it by going off the top of my head but yeah you just brought something to me for some weird reason i don't know why it clicked so you guys know the tataria thing so the tat i was just talking about is originally tartaria used to be tat aria right and but the funny thing is now we call it tartaria in tartar so tar is also where is where the root comes from the TT because tar is tree sap essentially. Tar is the viscous liquid within, you know, within trees and di- different things. So it's kind of funny how that relates to it. But then also yeah. tartar is saying tree tree and tautology is the act of saying something twice in emphasis. Right. So tautology wow. is saying something, you know, so tartar, ta- tautology is the same as tet. Like it, all these things start tying back to that teaching. Yeah. That yeah. We started this whole thing with dad jokes about trees. 
<laughs> nice, I don't, nice. I, I don't remember what. What'd you say, Slick? Do you remember? Uh, what was it? It's all right if we don't grab it. But yeah, if we go back to the beginning, this whole thing started out with a dad joke about tree. Because I remember we talked about Ren and Stimpy. If we transmitted Ren into a good guy, he'd be Tregor oh, instead of Igor. <laughs> but I don't remember the other joke, but it don't matter. But yeah, tree, tree, tar, tar. Right. And it makes me think of tutelary spirits, you know, uh-huh. that are going to teach us things. Electricity. electricity. There we go. It was the electricity. Electricity. <laughs> that brings it back. Perfect weave. A perfect weave. Nice. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and bringing the electricity, Cody. <laughs> a perfect, perfect landing. Yeah. It's almost two, two hours and two and a half hours, brother. Are we going to keep going? Uh, you guys can leave if you want. I think Cheney's about to pop in and drop oh. some kind of ladling of gravy on us, oh, and yeah. I'm I'm up for that. Uh, probably won't go too much longer because you want to. Everyone wants to go over and hang out on Flow State on Weaving Spiders. Welcome, but if we see Cheney pop in here in the next minute or two, we gotta give her room to drop her theory about whatever the yes, theory I agree. Was if Cheney has gravy in a ladle, then we need to all ritually surround her and carefully yeah. bring her into the spot where she can ceremonially yeah. dump the gravy. Yes, exactly. Where she <laughs> comes up in with the, the gravy in the chalice and feeds it each to yeah, her. I got like the, uh, the, the Olympic torch carrier, you know, so Cheney can step that. in the middle of it to get the gravy to the proper spot. It's fine. Yes, <laughs> I'm down. I'm down so, for taking this communion. Cody, what did you call it when you uh when you tap a tree multiple times? When you uh something about tautology. Tautology. Oh, tautology. Yeah, no, when you when you say something twice to indicate emphasis upon it, basically. Is that so, like repeating something twice or doing something twice to emphasize it? Right. That's tautology. We call it tautology, right? And then, did you say something about like between that and Tartaria? You were mentioning some kind of tree, like getting sap or resin from trees. Because the tar, yeah. So tar, the root of tar, the word, the word tar, that comes from, that ties back into the tet, and because tar essentially refers to like tree resin. Or tree sap, and so yeah. that's like the the oil of the tree, basically. Interesting. Right? And yeah. so that's in the oil of the tree. That's the essentially the high feminine of the tree. It's the, the yeah. it's the ether of the tree, and that's why the tree takes that up. It's the same act of everything that the earth does, but it's more on a macro or a micros like cycle compared to the whole earth as itself you know yeah so that makes me think of uh towerette who we're going to be talking about tomorrow in the moon night the hippo the hippo spirit she is a high feminine um but it also makes me think of myrrh in how they uh they extract Mm. myrrh from a tree slowly over time you know where the root of mare came from so mare means a uh, mountain out of the water. 
that tracks. We're better. It is, guys. There's that yeah, Hawaii. Mars. Hawaii Mer- equals it's Yahweh. Like Her- Mercury and Hermes, they're the same thing. And Her, or Har, is mountain, right? And then Mer is also mountain out of the water. That and totally so makes sense. They're, they're the same being, and they both have the same essence within the start of their name. Right. It it makes me think of if you were watching a volcano be born out of the water rapidly, the first Mm -hmm. thing you would see is the water boiling, and that's the white horses leading the charge. Yeah, and if you you think in the cyclical times of mythologies, when they talk about apocalyptic events or these type of events, when this happens, there is water boiling in these times because when the polarity shifts and there's a flux in polarity, it happens quickly. And so water will boil and different things will happen. And so like, that's actually fascinating. You brought that up because that definitely correlates with the alchemy of it. Man, this is really applied that, you know, can we title something? And (laughs) there's another TT title, (laughs) title something. And it just becomes what you named it. And I named this life, the universe and everything episode 42. I think we're, we're there, but what's up Chaney? I put you right in the middle of all us. (laughs) I know it's a sausage fest. Lucky (laughs) girls. (laughs) I can handle it. (laughs) If anybody can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cody said so much awesome stuff. I like the way, um, how you kind of brought in all the plasma universe stuff, all the big tree theory and Tataria all in one idea. Cause that's kind of how I kind of think it is. It's all kind of it all. It's, it's the same way I can think like Buddha and Christ and, um, you know, uh, Enoch all can be real to me. Everybody's story can be real. I can just accept it and be like, okay, like we don't really know too much about time. Um, the Sylphegio, uh, oh, uh frequencies that you were talking about. I was wondering, my witch, you know how you're, everybody's haunted by their own numbers. Why are we relying on anybody else's number to what frequency we should set? What about if the universe is trying to tell us what our frequency is sometimes? Well, so to answer that question, what <laughs> I don't think that there's any bad frequency, but Selfeggio has just particular magic in the sequence of numbers themselves. So first of all, I think what works in terms of sound healing is when you have a coherent uh, vibration. And by coherent, it's like not a simplest way to put it is that the, uh, the peaks and the troughs are balanced the whole way through. It's going up as much as it's going down. And with Solfeggio, it is a particular grouping numerically where there's never any fractions and there's never any zero. So you have all the the one, seven, and four go together, the two, five, and eight go together, and the three, six, and nine go together. And I, I did a little bit of a write-up about this in Telegram the other day, but basically <laughs> if you add the numbers together, um in any of the two, any of the groupings, you add two frequencies together, you still get the same three, six, nine pattern. So let me try to make this concise with to explain verbally, even though it's math. Uh, it starts at one, seven, four, goes all the way up to nine, six, three. But if you add one, seven, and four together, you get 12. So the one, seven, four frequency, the four, one, seven frequency, and the seven, four, one frequency all 
add up to 12, which gives you your three. And that's the first grouping. The second grouping, two, five, eight, that gives you a uh, 15, which is a six. So two, five, eight equals a six. Five, two, eight equals a six. Eight, two, eight, two, five equals a six. And then the three, six, nine gives you a nine in reduction. So there's that sequence going on. And then the other interesting thing is if you combine the tones, any tones that are next to each other, like 417 and 396, the differential between them will reduce to a three. And if you go two steps away, like from 528 to 396, that reduces to a six, the differential. And you get cool numbers like most of them that are touching each other, the differential between them is one, one, one. So that's cool. And then if you go two steps away, like from, you know, from five, two, eight to two, eight, five, you would get uh, a nine in the differential. So basically there's this like constant, everything in the whole sequence of Selfeggio comes back to three, six, nine repeatedly forever, including if you start adding the numbers together or subtracting them from each other. So there's never any fractions. There's never any break in this pattern of three, six, nine, and there's never any zero. So to me, that's what is the magic of the system. But in terms of, you know, you could use any coherent frequency to do something positive sound wise. And ultimately, it's like a tool that you're using mentally to tap into and say, okay, I'm using this fork and it means that I'm connecting with this chakra. And it's really the intent and the coherent sound working together more than that specific sound, meaning something particular to that particular chakra. In my experience, like if I wanted to, I could do a whole session with somebody with just one fork or with just the big fork. And my big fork isn't even a solfeggio tone. It's three, eight, four. But oddly enough, with the <laughs> solfeggio pattern and the three, eight, four, you still get the same uh, magic of differentials with the whenever you subtract one number from another. So like uh, the three, eight, four minus a, minus a five or five to eight minus a three, eight, four gives you 144, which is another nine. And it continues like that across the scale. So whether you're using the solar harmonic scale of uh, A through G, or you're using the solfeggio do re mi type of deal, you still have this amazing magic of the numbers remaining whole and continuing this pattern of three, six, nine. So to me, that's where the magic is at. And the important thing is that there's not the fraction because fractions are an abstraction. (laughs) It's a good way of thinking of it. It's a mathematical abstraction. It's a conceptual thing. And nature doesn't actually do division. It only does multiplication and mitosis and division is the tool of conquerors. We know that psychologically and, and in uh literal sense. So I think the most important thing is that you're taking the, this equation of Solfeggio is not involving division. Now, all the other things that people say about Solfeggio, like this fre- frequency will liberate you and things like that. I don't really put stock into that, but I do think that coherent sound tones and the Solfeggio sequence is powerful and can be used with intent to do a lot of things. That's my quickest answer. What if you have energies in your body that need to be divided from you? What if like the number you crave that your whole life or it's your number 
what if you find the frequency of it? They have all the hertz of everything on YouTube and you can just put your number in in that thing. What if that number is haunting you like an earworm? Like if you listen to it, maybe you're not level yet. Like maybe it busts something or maybe all the frequencies together. Like if I have my number and if you have your number and if all in the room, um, one of the ways that you would do a powerful magic would be to chant. Like if we were all in a coven, we would chant together or we would sing together or we would all carry one tone and it would be the choir of our voices that could make a storm. And so I think that Solfeggio has a magic, but I think everybody has a magic and um, maybe you're being told it all the time but you just kind of let it go or think, oh, I just picked that number in baseball. That was my baseball number. That was my dad's baseball number, so it was mine. Maybe your dad needed to listen to that. Well, uh, it's interesting you say that, Chaney, because years ago, um, I uh, I ended up in a position to choose some numbers because of being at a casino in Las Vegas, and then it happened again and again where I kept having to choose numbers, and I chose four numbers, two, seven, 27 and 42 which is the episode that we're on and i do feel like those numbers ever since i first was prompted to choose them they always always come back to me and i do honor them and like you know i don't chant them or anything but i mean you know like i noticed them you know i show i made that i I would have to go to my instagram and look but that's years old that's probably four or five years old it could be more it might be seven or eight years old that uh answer to everything piece of art I made a long time ago. That's what I look like if I shave like Martin. (laughs) (laughs) The answer to everything. Well, that's from the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 42 is the answer. They ask the computer, what's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And the computer waits and waits and waits, and then it comes back and says 42. You know, that's the answer. And then if you look into it, there's a whole reason why that works. And it's like a mind-blowing trip that 42 actually is the answer to everything. But in the book, it just seems like a silly joke, you know. (laughs) I want to answer, though, at least my thoughts to what you said there, Chaney. Uh, Maybe, you know, if there's a number sticking in your head and you want to play with frequencies, there are apps for that, that you can just pick a tone. Tone generator app is a good one. And see how that feels and how that treats you. You know, I yeah, I've meditated to a few of mine. I've meditated to a few, and I just wonder if anybody else has ever found their frequency of their number. Like I'm my number six three two. That is interesting. I've never really considered that I would have a number per se. I can look at myself as the all the all of the numbers (laughs) mixing it up together. But and then also then I would be like 47. Like at, right after it as a separate number. Six, six, three, two. <laughs> OK, I'm looking at this up in my binaural beats app. Great. Yeah, I've got that. I've got that one, too. I'll turn it on. And while I sit in meditation, there's a yeah. guy. Jeannie, I'll have to find the link. There's a guy who has this worked out as a modality for healing to take certain numbers and the uh, he doesn't even use tones or sounds. He um, has people repeat, either read or say aloud these numbers over and over again as a modality for healing them of 
physical maladies and other issues. I'll have to, I'll have to look through, um, my friend who's an astrologer sent it to me a long time ago. So I'll have to look through and see if I can find it. I'm at 11. I'll send it to you. (laughs) You know how you do your, whatever your, I don't know how you get your number. Oh yeah. You're numerologically, you're an 11. I'm 11. That doesn't surprise me. I'm a seven. That doesn't surprise me that you're an 11. Oh, that explain. I don't know if it explains it, but that's a cool sync that the numbers that you're feeling six, three, two and 47 are 11s. I'm a seven life path guy and seven destiny number or whatever. My name and my birth date are seven. Yeah. I've got two sevens like that too, Chance. Bro. Cause that's how yeah. I got into this whole deeper into the esoteric side is I bought a numerology book called numerology and the divine triangle at a yard sale, trying to distract myself from hard decisions I was making. And so I went home and skeptically used it as a way to distract myself from focusing on the problem at hand. And the book literally just like one aided me back into like, it answered all of my problems and questions about the problems in my life while at the same time expounding to me everything subtle and hidden in my personality type and i was just like whoa hey fuck you get out of my facebook what's your shit man like but you know i accepted it but you know how it is like you go at something skeptically or with doubt or trying to disprove it and instead it just blows you up on the spot that's why that's really how i got into this whole scene 2014 probably i bought that in a bunch of tapes uh 90s cassette singles of like in vogue and uh vanilla ice and all that stuff what's your favorite in vogue song um but never gonna get it was that in vogue it's a pretty yeah. good song i think that, let's talk about sex was that in vogue i was still in vogue right no that was salt and pepper okay salt and pepper there's another in vogue song that I like better, but I'd have to think. I just can't think of it right now. It's been a long in time. Vogue has some bops. Yeah, they did. I liked in vogue. I liked all those guys back in the day. I mean, I was a hip hop dancer, so that was like my bread and butter. Oh man, did you do it? The whole the whole did you do Russian tracksuit guy with chains or did you do no, I had, I was, like, uh, you I was my age like, uh, wearing uh, overalls with one strap down oh, or wearing yeah. the hammer pants, you know, Yeah. like, 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 so where I grew up in the Sacramento Valley, if you didn't learn how to dance, then you were just like considered a dork. So like we would get the black kids to teach us white kids how to dance. And then we would go to the school dances and try to like get in on the dancing. But you had to be real careful because, I mean, the dances were popping off in junior high in North Sacramento. So when I moved out of the Sacramento Valley to the Walla Walla Valley, I was like so exceptional as a hip hop commodity that the local dance instructor let me into her class for free because I had all of these fresh moves from watching MTV and learning how to dance like MC Hammer and Bobby Brown and copying uh, Boys to Men and um, I was trying to think, uh, like there was a song called Candyman, Mellow Man Ace, you know, all that stuff. And so... Uh, you know, I was a big hit when I first arrived in the Walla Walla Valley as a hip hop dancer, doing the Running Man and the Roger Rabbit and, you know, the Charleston and Kid and Play and all that stuff. I can still do it. But you still there? Yeah. Hicks, you know, I mean, I are you still dancing? 
Yeah, I haven't been out dancing for a while. I quit drinking, so I really don't go out and dance much. But I mean, if there's a dance, my friends are, I got a lot of friends who are musically inclined DJs and uh, mixing stuff. And so, I mean, if there's music playing, I'll dance. And every once in a while, I'll still just throw on the music and dance, you know. Right on. Good. It's good for the soul. Maybe I'll have to make some YouTube videos of showing off my old moves, huh? We'll have to do a dance party tonight. You're one, of the, you're one of the only rappers from Walla Walla right next to the state penitentiary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's sad but true, but you'd be surprised how many rappers there actually are in Walla Walla. Uh, All right, so... No, no. Uh, I was playing. <laughs> Here's the thing, Sean. We once got... Walla Walla. That's we funny. once got Gabriel to do the splits on a vibrant. <laughs> True. That I happened. Was, I was that taking the bars that night with immediacy. I don't know about this. What was that, Gabriel? <laughs> you were you were wearing PJs and you did the splits. I That's remember right. that. It was Sean who asked for it. <laughs> so turn the tables on and make a you know make a dance request. Come on, SB, do the move. Put on some move music if I have walk. to. Or do the moonwalk. Now, moonwalk would be pretty hard. By these shoes, probably aren't quite cut out for moonwalking. Oh, oh, is that the excuse? We got to put on some music. I'm not just going to dance. All know, right, all right. What do you want? What do you want to hear? Let's just a collectively beatbox for him. Do you want Gordy to sing in Vogue? That's the way. That's the way. Okay, okay. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. All right, everybody keep singing. Keep singing. Come on. I like that candy song you said. When you said that song, I was like, I have to listen to that. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Buddy. I love this. <laughs> Don't stop. Yes. Get it. Get it. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. That's that was awesome. That was perfect. That was legit. Oh You're just right off the cuff. Well, you guys call me out. I mean, I can still dance. I'm not lying. Yeah, man. <laughs> dancing on water, brother. I, I'm funny. <laughs> Oh, you just made everybody's night, and not in like an ironic way. That was really good. You're fantastic, Sean. My friend, I'm impressed. Well, thank you. you. The consensus is in. He is good. (laughs) (laughs) Best night ever. Whoa! People warned me about two people that were really good dancers, and there was one guy that they told me he was gonna like, he was gonna show me up. So I went and found him at one of the first high school dances and was watching him dance. And so you know how it is, like you jump in and confront and challenge, you know, make the cypher move. And so I jumped in and was dancing with him and he danced back and I danced back. And there was one other girl who ended up being the one that told me about the dance class that I joined. But uh, like he finally tipped his hat and stepped away. He's like, oh, man. you know. And then there, after that, I met another guy who actually lives here locally where I'm at now and is a cop, which is hilarious. But uh, him and I used to go out together. And if we both went to the middle of the dance floor, everyone else would just leave and we would just jam out for a minute until we backed off, you know, because like if we came out to the middle of the dance floor, everyone would just be like, this is it, man, we're out of here. These guys are taking over in here. You know? All right. For anyone who missed it from Vibrant 25, this is Split Dissident. Nice. Ah, look at wow. that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Badass. So, yeah, two I remember that. That's a me and, me and Slick real recognizes real. <laughs> That's hardcore. <laughs> I'm cool. impressed. That was a good Both one. of those things were hardcore. 
the dance and the split. I look forward to the day when we can all get together and dance. I don't know who I was going to make it to Jim's uh, solstice party at the uh, Mary Hill Museum, the replica of Stonehenge. But dancing is definitely on the cards, you know. I didn't know Jim can dance, too. Jim is a dancer. Don't let him fool you. Jim can dance, too. Oh, I think Jim can probably do it all. I saw saw him shaking his stuff last week with his uh, sign piece on. He he was dancing. Uh, they made a little video, and he's like, got "Oh, that's little... right, yeah, yeah." Because he right. was uh, he was making the uh, the big cock energy drink video. That's right, Second Amendment status, baby. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I loved that video. He's dumping out the dumping one out for the homies and everything. <laughs> Speaking of Jim, do you think he's wondering where all of his uh, flow state friends are at? Well, I'm sure he's got to be aware that I'm over here sucking up all of his <laughs> bandwidth. i want to go around the horn and let everybody have whatever time they want to put any closing thoughts or observations or plugs out there and we'll just start with gordy and uh go go and i'll just call you guys each one at a time we'll just do it that way simplest way (laughs) oh now we're all gonna yawn i will not yawn welcome You're going to resist, Chance? <laughs> I'll just take a normal deep breath on purpose. <gasps> yeah. Oh, breathing. I recorded a um, a uh, meditation, breathing meditation today. So I'm, I'm going to be putting that out. Nice. And, okay, uh, cool. So we're going to start, start doing this stuff. Sean, I'm going to start uh, seeing what you think about them, if you guys don't mind. I'll share with you. No, I'm down. I've been I've been trying to get back into the Wim Hof breathing myself, and so anyone that wants to prompt more stuff into the scene, I'm down to try it. You know, because I love the Wim Hof breathing, but I have huge resistance to doing it. Like I have to really, I have to do release work and get myself ready and go do it, and I love it. I get a great feeling every time, but there's this huge resistance in my body to doing it. I don't know what that is, but that's I don't try to figure it out. I just use a technique to get over it and do the breathing. But if you're adding even more breathing techniques, I'm all about it, Gordy, for sure. Well, I think it's about control. And like the way you can, can do it is just practice. So I'll just start doing these little, uh, little breathing meditation exercises. And I think, uh, I mean, it's helped me. So I think it'll help other people. Um, I'm going to be, what are we? Oh, we're, I'm going to plug for moon night tomorrow night. Um, on the Marvelous Demystifiers. There's going to be some... Right here on Interverse on YouTube. There it is. Meet the new Doc, same as the old Croc. Moon Knight Part 2. I'm happy with that title. That's a great title. And speaking of predictive art, Sean, you'll, you'll want to hear this. Like, uh, in 2016, I did a costume for my daughter that ended up looking just like Khonshu. And I'll show oh, yeah? it. I'll show it tomorrow night. Okay. But this is this is 2016. Yeah. So something was in these in the zeitgeist. Something was there. Yeah. And uh I was feeling it because she, it's it's a dead ringer. Other than it being red, like it's pretty close. And so I want to see what you guys think about it. And you too, Cheney. Like you liked uh, everything, every, everywhere, all at once, right? 
Like yeah. We're down with the hot dog, hot dog yeah. hands. I thought the whole entire thing was weird. <laughs> I'm going to watch it soon. So, yeah. yeah. I realize I can't talk about that movie at all without giving anything away. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't. Anyway, awesome. so yeah, we're going to do that tomorrow night. Show up for that. Um, yeah, catch up. If you need to see it first, hit us up on Telegram. Yeah. We could forward you some uh, totally legal copies through Telegram. We'll hook you up. Allegedly. Oh, they're lawful copies. Right. Yeah, they're lawful. That's right. And uh, Moon Knight, you know, it's pretty entertaining for how deep the MK Ultra programming is, and our decode of it is awesome. <laughs> the last episode we did was so much fun. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Go, we'll catch up and watch it, and then watch the first episode. It looks like we're going to do like six. We're just going to do one episode for each, probably. That seems like the most sane way to do it because the first episode took us three and a half hours to decode. I don't think the second one will take us that long, but we'll see. I'm I'm open to it. What you got there, Sean? Oh, I bought this after Chance showed his off, and so I just picked it up because I saw it was sitting there. Is it Septenary? Is that what it's called? It's pretty... Septarian or something like Septarian, that? Septarian, yeah. It's Dragonstone. Yeah. But, uh, Chance, Chance showed his on a stream, and then the next day I went into like a gym and rock and like a hippie shop, and this thing was sitting up in the case, and I'm like, well, you know, this was not a coincidence. Chance yeah, is showing the one so that I can get this one. And so I just leave it sitting here on my desk because it's got the bottom flattened off. That's a beaut. Very cool. Yeah, that's gorgeous. I love it. I, I get a good vibe from it. All right. Uh, Martin, you got anything for us, buddy? I'm so uh, glad yeah, that you hung I, out with us, man. I love you. Yeah. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, recently I got an email from one of the spiders. They had a dream and all the spiders were in it. But I... Uh, I gave this certain spider uh, something in the in the dream, and I'm not going to reveal it here. You got to wait for flow state tonight. Nice. <laughs> now that's a promotion, folks. That's cool. how you promote something. Exactly. That is. That's a perfect lead-in. Now, Jim, Jim just uh, dropped a link for the Zoom. So if you're wanting to get on flow state and actually be part of the broadcast. Um, the, the link is available and Jim also is commenting over here in the telegram. Vibrant is fire tonight. And I thank you, Jim. And we'll see you soon, brother. Yeah, man, we will. Martin, you going to read for us over there? Absolutely. I'll read that that email and Zanoni, of course. Zanoni. Yeah. It's getting good. Gabriel. So I just dropped something in the chat linking uh, everybody to the uh, Rising from the Ashes project that we just did recently. Uh, we did a decode on the Wizard of Oz. I so checked I just, that out yesterday. It's very good. Good times. It, yeah, it was a fun one. It was a real fun one. So I just linked that in the chat. And here in a second, I'll shoot a link to uh, the One on One podcast. We did a decode on Florida. Which Cheney, I think you will really dig. There is. Oh, I'm. It, it. Did you do that one with Paranoid American? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was telling me about it, and he's super geeked out on it too. If you yeah. guys caught Vibrant last week, then you'll probably be interested in hearing the full research because we talked about that with Juan. That's right. It does. It weaves in and out through uh, his show and and 
in this one. Uh, and then also uh, pretty soon on one on one, there's going to be a episode we did on Medusa and a particular author who has uh, written and teaches about the myth of Medusa and uh, other goddesses, uh, Hecate. Uh, so we did that show that'll be coming out real soon. So look forward to that. And uh, I'll be here tomorrow on the marvelous demystifiers. All right, buddy. Let's go to Cody. Uh, well, I don't really have anything as far as me to shout out, but I want to thank you guys for letting me come on and talk with y'all because all you guys are awesome. And I love hearing all of your insights and all the opinions and thoughts from all you guys. So yeah, it's super cool. And as far as, uh, everything else i'm excited for listening to the flow state and yeah everything's been good and just super thankful you guys are awesome join us on the flow state too dude you are ready to start your own channel in my opinion yeah, you're you absolutely you welcome you're and if you're having any doubts that your content is valuable you blew our fucking minds right out of the top of the roof tonight so yeah, I was, Cody, I've been planning you, on starting my own channel. I'm dragging my feet on it, to be honest. I need to do it. But um, Cody, you'll, be happier if you do. you'll be happier if you do. I know I will. Richard C. Hoagman, do you know Richard C. Hoagman, uh, Cody? Richard C. Hoagman. I recognize the name. He's the guy that did uh, The Face on Mars, uh, the book on Sidonia. <laughs> Ah, uh, no, maybe I don't know. For, it's slipping me. So he's the first I'll, I'll one. Say that, no, now I want to be honest. <laughs> he's the first one that I I heard ever talk about the torsion engine and the torsion torsion field. So you might want to check him out. But he's like he's old school UFO guy. Okay. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's fascinating because, in my opinion, UFO technology or anything of that propagation would have to do for sure with uh, essentially using the electromagnetic field. You know, so any anything that would essentially the thing that I find fascinating is I think there's some aircraft that have figured out essentially how to cause uh torsion that's like an inverse magnet almost it's almost like how an ac generator works that they've almost been able to create their own uh electromagnetic field that instead of dispersing outwards disperses towards a center point and essentially is allows them to have zero friction to fly so it's actually kind of fascinating so i'll love to look into that because i've looked into things like that but i'm trying to piece in the the pattern because i'm missing some pieces yeah cool we all are oh, yeah. we need people like you guys and, and joshua and cheney to have like these these unique perspectives like sean like who's gonna who else is gonna have that experience of of uh uh, putting a bunch of paraplegics in airplanes in the middle of a, <laughs> a lost forest to go to the synced up to the Frank Church wilderness because Frank Church is all about the right. intelligence committees. That's wild. 
All right, Chaney, thank you for popping in with us late. Can you give us any uh, plugs yeah, and closing thoughts? I didn't mean for you guys to hold it all up. I didn't know it was right at the end. I got off work late tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. This is episode 42, Life, the Universe, and Everything. We go big. I'm oh, really I always want you in here. and I'll go late for you to show up. I love you. Oh, that's sweet. I love you back. Um, closing thoughts. Uh, yeah, you can check out Project Chaney anywhere you get your podcast. Or um, I hang out with the spiders sometimes on Saturdays. So weaving spiders, welcome. <laughs> if you're not already there. <laughs> All right, Mr. Al J. Yeah, that's my. I got a. I got a new title tonight uh, to add to my list. S B Al J, also known as S B Alger or Sean Alger. Um, you can catch me at S B Alger dot com. If you you know, don't hesitate to reach out for any reason at all. I'm a. Uh, I'm an avid correspondent. Lots of people message me. I try to message everybody back. Um, if you have any curiosity about some of the stuff I talked about, just hit me up and we'll talk. Um, Let's see. Definitely catch us right directly after this on the Weaving Spiders Web's channel. Remember, the Weaving Spiders are on a new channel right now. It's called Weaving Spiders Web's. If you come join us to watch, please remember to subscribe. Please recommend that other people subscribe because we're trying to get the, the subscriber count up on this channel. I know Jim is waiting for us over there. And um, do I have anything coming up right this minute? You know, I was supposed to upload my recent episode with one-on-one to my channel, but I've been slacking and haven't done it. So you might see that on my channel, but if not, you can always just go catch it on the one-on-one podcast, YouTube, or on your pod reader. Um, That was a great episode that I did over there with Juan. I enjoyed um, it greatly. Yeah, that was the last thing I did, so. Episode 93, no less. Yeah, 93, of course, episode 93. Rosicrucian confirmed. (laughs) Well, before uh, we go, I'm going to do my plug, which is that I'd love to work with more of you guys out there for sound healing, for lack of a better title, Aura tune-ups, maybe. And I have a couple of reviews from clients earlier this week or last week, I think, spread out between the two. And I want to read these two because they are extremely good examples of how the process can go for somebody. And uh, so I'm going to read these real quick. The first one says... Wow, you've opened me up. You've opened up a whole new world to me. My session with you was beyond enlightening. I've been to numerous psychics and card readers over the years, none of which ever went to the root of my challenges. You shared details of my childhood, which I've never verbalized. My childhood is what it was, and for decades I assumed it to be normal. I was made to believe I was not worthy. Now as an adult with many new experiences, I know my parents were working off a screwed up playbook of their own. I have ha- I have heard numerous times that if there are a thousand people in a room without fail, the abuser and the victim would be drawn to each other. Thanks to you, I finally understand the antenna connection. Until the nastiness is cleared completely, it remains in our spirit. I'm finding that little girl to nurture her heart back to wholeness. So that was a really good, powerful session. And uh, another one that I want to read that I thought was particularly cool. Let me find it here. Mm, there it is. Yeah. Uh, Yes, the entire session was very relaxing. This is from Maureen. Afterwards, I felt relaxed all day. The following day, I was exhausted. A deep, deep exhaustion, which felt like I was rearranging my aura and doing a major detox. What I have noticed now, about 10 days after the session, is a calm acceptance and the underlying edge of fear is not noticeable. It feels like the air conditioner noise was shut off and I I had not even known it was on this whole time. There is a layer of fear and anxiety that is no longer present in my energetic body. 
One example of how this change is manifesting for me. An email came out about the government trying to remove B vitamins from availability. My first response was, I will just find a source in nature. And my second response was, well, I really want to go deeper into nature and all that it has to offer anyway. In the past, fear would have come in first. Then I would have had to urge myself to let go of the fear. There is an absence of fear, grief, sadness, and has been replaced with the acceptance that it is all flowing and new stuff will flow in as the old stuff flows out. Really quite fabulous. And I will definitely get another session soon. So uh, thanks for <laughs> bearing with me while I read those reviews. I just want you guys to know that we're, you know, we can make this happen. If you guys want to get in touch with me, chance at interversepodcast.com. I want to encourage people to go ahead and do that if it's on your heart to do it. Um, I'm in the midst of three sessions with Chance right now, and I would agree that I already have some of those things coming my way. Um, I said at the beginning of the episode that some of it did feel like I was confronting big things, but that's what I got in. You know, that's what I came into this for. So I'm loving it. I, the chance I felt so much energy the same day. I know you said to rest and lay back, but I had all of this driving energy to go do physical things. So I went and like, went to the, uh, picked up a whole bunch of free compost from the city and did a bunch of work outside. And it was just grand, man. And so I really look forward to continuing whatever we've got going and seeing where we end up after three sessions. So that's good, man. That's good. I think I should be more clear and let people know you might need more rest, but you might be juiced up. It's like different for everybody. And <laughs> listen, yeah, I mean, I tried first, I draw, I slammed some water and laid around and I did take some rest. But then after that, I felt I felt focused in a new way. Like it happened immediately. Like as soon as the session was done, I felt it like something shifted immediately. And I know it's probably not always that way, but that, that was my experience yesterday. So, well, thank you for sharing that with everybody and uh, Mary, Mary vibrant to all and to all. Good night. Yeah, everybody. Love you all. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. It was a big full house. Episode 42. Yeah, thanks for having nice. me. I really appreciate it. Love, everyone. This was awesome. There you go. Much love.